0: Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR FM Hampton Bays. are my
1: best friend.
0: Boy. This is Sid and Friends
2: in the Morning. For my friends. 77
3: WABC. Mayor Adams is in Mexico on his mission to try to discourage migrants from coming to New York. There's major action from the White House on the asylum seeker crisis. The White House says it's restarting direct deportations of Venezuelan migrants who enter unlawfully back to their home country. And also in a stunning reversal from President Biden, he's waiving 26 different laws and regulations to do what he vowed he would never do, build a section of border wall. We are still looking through exactly what this means. Mayor Adams in Mexico, on his first day of a South American visit, reacting to a major about-face from the White House, candidate Joe Biden made this promise in 2020. There will not be another foot of wall constructed on my administration. The president said that while he didn't want to build a wall, he has no choice because of a law Congress passed in 2019. They have to use the money for what the appropriate. I can't stop that.
4: Do you believe the border wall works? No. Federal law enforcement say there was a drug bust that went down in the Bronx. Law enforcement sources say it appears fake prescription pills laced with fentanyl were being made. Federal agents in bulletproof vests, hazmat suits, and gas masks raided this Bronx home on Beaumont Avenue in Belmont, next to a school where a drug-free school zone sign is posted. Inside the home, law enforcement sources say were at least four pill press machines being used to make fake prescription pills laced with fentanyl. According According to the DEA, 7 out of 10 fake pills have a lethal dose.
5: We remember the life of Dick Butkus. Fearless and ferocious. Intimidating and impactful. Many words to describe the greatness of the Hall of Famer, Dick Butkus. But perhaps the best is legendary. And Dick Butkus' legacy remembered today as news of his death spread across the empire. Dick Butkus passed away at the age of 80.
6: I want everybody to know the importance of today. And, you know, Bernie, was, uh, his funeral was held at St. Patrick's Cathedral. you gotta be, you got to be a very uh, prominent citizen to get your funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral. So I thought the appropriate thing to do today was as county executive, by the power vested in me, today, throughout all of Nassau County, I am going to proclaim this to be Bernie McGurk Day in Nassau County.
1: The road is long
7: He, my brother, goes out to my man Bernard McGurk after our six hour marathon extravaganza Bernie Remembrance show yesterday. It was a a really spectacular show, really was. And so many folks showed up who love Bernie. From Mike Breen to Pete Morgan to Joseph Abu to Corey Zelnick to Warner Wolf to Carly Shimkus. If I'm missing anybody, I'm sorry. But certainly a lot of the folks that work here, me and Lou, will go back with Bernard longer than anybody here, anybody. And it was a special day, a worthy day, a deserved day, one year to the day that Bernard actually passed. And what a job there. The very last piece you heard in the open put together every day by Justin Ellick, does a great job with that was from the Nassau County Executive, Bruce Blakeman, who did proclaim yesterday in Nassau County, where the McGurks still live. Bernard loved it there. He did proclaim yesterday Bernie McGurk Day. And then what we didn't play in the open today, but Bruce did mention on this show yesterday, was, you know, Carol reached out to me, Bernard's wife, and Bernie used to love the boardwalk and the beach. And she said, Sid, do you think there's a chance you can get his name on a bench? <laughs> I said, it's a bit above my payroll, my, my uh, you know, the pay grade. I'm just a dopey radio host. I got a lot of friends. Don't get me wrong. I can get the mayor on the phone, the former president on the phone, just about anybody. So I'll reach out. I'll try. So I called Bruce. And he said, you know, I just tried to get that done for a family of a first responder last month. But the beaches, the benches, I should say, are full. There's no more. So he said, here's what I will do, though. I will take a street in Bernie's neighborhood that is close to the beach and rename the street after Bernie. He made that proclamation on this show yesterday, too. It wasn't in the open, but he made that, too. So special thanks goes out to Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman for proclaiming yesterday. And and now my job today is I'm going to call Bruce back, and I want every year, not just yesterday, but every year, October the 5th, to be Bernie McGurk Day. And I'll get it done because... I may not be the next Speaker of the House, but I've got tremendous power here in New York. We'll get that done, and we'll get the street named after Bernie. And then when I die, nothing's going to happen. I mean nothing. Maybe uh, John and Margot bring in donuts. That'll be it. I'm going to write down a few ideas. You guys aren't going to do a damn thing. Oh, no. There's going to be for you? Nothing. Yeah, why? Why? I just know how it goes. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, because everybody loved Bernie. See, Bernie was an easy guy, but he loved him, you know. Me, I'm, I'm one of those guys, you know. You either really love me or you're so envious of me that you hate my guts. I wasn't Bernie. Bernie Bernie was a terrific talent, but he's vanilla.
8: That's, it's, you're, what they say, polarizing. I polarizing, say.
7: right. Maybe. So can I put 5,000 people in St. Patrick's Cathedral? Of course I can. But, but the problem is, the problem is, there's going to be 5,000 more standing outside saying, why are we doing this for this prick? Including some of the people you work yes! with? Yes,
1: you guys.
7: <laughs> you guys.
8: <laughs> I always knew we'd go like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> now, I know. Uh, There's going to be something big when you're gone. You think so, huh? Yeah, but I, as I said, I don't think I'll be here.
0: Well, why don't you tell us what you want so we can start y- planning?
8: That's it. a great idea. Let's let's start planning the farewell.
7: Well, I can't be uh, I can't be it can't be St. Patrick's Cathedral, even yeah. though I love it there. I've gotten ashes there, folks. I used to go every Friday and watch my friend, who's the bass, Ed Randall. He, uh, you know, he's on the uh, the pulpit. We call it a bima in in Judaism, in the temple. But he's there every Friday, and and I went just about every Friday. Bernie used to love that for like a year,
8: and then I got my ashes there one year. I love that but I'm Jewish, so it's Maybe it's appropriate that it's done there, maybe. Well,
7: I, I think that there should be one of each.
8: Yeah.
7: One at St. Patrick's, and then, of course, like a real temple. Okay, so we went from nothing happening, and <laughs> now
8: we're going to do two things. Well, you asked me what should happen.
7: I'm telling you, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> right. But what should happen is St. Patrick's, and maybe it, it, maybe even a temple in Jerusalem, that's
8: any other, any other denominations that we need to take care A of? Mosque? <laughs> A mosque? I,
0: hate you guys. I really do hate you. I got to free up two days now, not just one. <laughs>
7: you know, the way it's going so far this morning, I really do hope I die today.
8: <laughs> he was fun to work with. <laughs> <laughs> and this is how Bernie would have wanted it, probably. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, but we don't even have to say that. Because with Bernie, we say, oh, this is how we think he wanted it. Oh, but if you right
7: tell now. us, then we'll be like, this is
0: what this Sid. What wanted. Sid wanted yeah right. all right
7: so you want let, let's do a meeting we love meetings here <laughs> let's get matt meanie and chad lopez yeah. and stephanie bonjourno and a couple of doctors yeah we'll get doctors yeah and we'll ask the doctor how long i've got it could be five months could be 50 years i don't know but we'll start planning today for my death what do you think?
8: So you have to get any of the uh, the doc with the injection stuff. Should we get some? Yeah. Should we plant some of that? <laughs> get those on.
7: Hey, that doctor yesterday was great. Uh, Sean Zimberg. Yeah, he was in studio with Leslie Slender, who was terrific yesterday. And he was a uh, he was great that guy. And I know he'll do some more with this show because you know say what you want. Uh, there's no doubt that WABC hired me. Chad Lopez. Chad Lopez hired me. Because he wanted to reduce the age of the audience. And and I read the message boards and snipping, and all these folks are like, oh, it didn't work. Just about every listener for WABC has one foot in the grave. I don't believe that's true. I, I, I meet young people every day. Anecdotal, yes, yes. But I meet young people every day that love this show. They came over from Howard Stern. They came over from Boomer and Geo on the band. They love this show. So I came here. Well, they brought me here, I should say, with that in mind. Sid is still young. He's in great shape. He looks great. And he's going to help us get some young ass in this place. But um, yesterday when the doctor was in studio and I opened the phone lines to talk to folks about the dangers of prostate cancer and how to prepare and what to do, the phones lit up like Bruce Springsteen was sitting in, in, the, in the studio with WPLJ. And my guess is there was nobody under the age of 70 that called during that segment. So that doctor, I said to him, I go, Sean, you're in the right place. Look at those phone lines. I mentioned your name and what you did. And it was like giving away free tickets to um, who's the blind guy I like, the opera singer Bocelli. Bocelli you yeah. saw the phones went nuts. They loved them which was great. So anyway, we um, were efforting to get some younger listeners, like George Liberatos, who just texted me, my dear friend George, who everybody in Brooklyn knows because his family owns, of course, the Oasis Diner. And he just texted me just now. His father, Pete's a great guy. And everybody loves the Oasis Diner on Flatbush Avenue. So I think we've done a good job getting more younger listeners, but we've got more work to do. But Sean Zimberg would still be a perfect, a perfect fit for this show. Advanced radiation centers, eight locations. And I like the guy. Good-looking guy. Spoke really well. Calm, nice,
8: assuring. Yes. yeah,
7: He's the right guy for the job. Talking about the right guy for the job, who's going to be the next speaker? Jim Jordan definitely wants it. Steve Scalise wants it. I'm not sure he wants it as bad as Jim Jordan. And the talk is that Donald Trump, who's running for a much bigger position, president, may have to take it. Now, what Trump said was, look, I'm endorsing Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan is the man. But if they don't get the votes, Jordan, Scalise, or anybody else, and I'm forced to do it, I'll do it. I'll do it for 90 days. I'll try to bring some cohesion back to the Republican Party, and then I'll continue running for president. Trump didn't say, I want the job, necessarily. He wants Jordan to get the job. But if they can't get the votes, Donald Trump made it very, very clear, I'll do it. Isn't that the way it went, pretty much, Noam?
0: Yeah, well, it was on his uh, Truth Social last night where he endorsed Jim Jordan. And I think it's his way of saying, you know, I
7: don't really want this gig, so vote for Jim Jordan instead. Right, he doesn't really want it, but he's not going to let down the Republican Party. And every day that goes by... More and more people, including Levin, you know, last night—they are just destroying Nancy Mace. Killing her. They don't care about Matt Gates. They know he's a psycho. They don't care about the rest of these men; those other seven guys. But for some reason, everybody is really down on Nancy. And I had Nancy on Monday and yesterday, twice this week. Say what you want. She is not. She is not caving to the pressure. She absolutely is 1,000% confident that she did the right thing by the Republican Party and the country. I still don't believe that's the case. I think she made a major mistake. I really do. And I think down the road, she's going to feel those implications. But right now, she's acting very confident, sitting there with Matt Gates on Steve Bannon, that psycho, his radio show. You think she made a mistake, Noam? Hard to know. Hard to know. I mean, really,
0: it'll it'll matter when she goes up for reelection, if the Republicans decide to run somebody against her, which they right. may
7: as a punishment. They may do that. Right. Yeah. Well, here is um, Mr. Ohio, Jim Jordan on Fox News yesterday talking about uh, the possibility of Trump, not him, because he says he's ready, Jim. The possibility of Trump being the speaker. This, Louis, is Jim Jordan. Cut number 14.
9: I think President Trump wants to be president of the United States. That's what I want. I think he's the best best president we've had, certainly in my lifetime, did more what he said he would do than any president I can remember. I want him to be president of the United States. I think that's what he wants to do. Um, And I think that's that's what's going to happen, because the country is so fed up with the policies of Joe Biden. I think President Trump is going to be our nominee. He's winning by, I don't know, 40, 50 points. And I think he's going to be our next president. He's beaten Joe Biden, and, and I think even an ABC poll like a week ago by 10, 11 points. So um, the country knows his policies worked. I think he wants to be president. I want him to be president. So our good buddy Mike Waller,
7: congressman out of Rockland County, he also checked in on this. He was on CNN. Mike is on CNN a lot. <laughs> and he checked in on the possibility of Trump becoming a speaker. Let's just say Lawler, not a big fan of that. Cut number 15.
10: Look, we've never had a speaker uh, that's been elected that is not a member of the House. Uh, I think mm. the choice for speaker will be someone who is currently a member of Congress. Uh, and I think these discussions should be among the members. Uh, we have a lot to deal with uh, in uh, the coming days uh, in choosing a new speaker. I think there really needs to be a reckoning within the conference on what occurred. To be clear, you do not want Trump to come? Look, I think, no. I think the discussion should be focused on the people uh, that are in the conference.
7: And Tim Burchett, who I believe uh, is this one of the guys that voted uh, McCarthy out? I believe so, right? What's the name? Maybe not. Tim
0: Burchett. You know, the only recognizable names are, you know, uh, Mace and Gates. Well, and no, 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 no. You have Andy Biggs. Yeah, but not as big as those two. No, those no, are, those, those are, are the two biggest ones, yeah. right?
7: And really, Nancy, only because she's a hot chick. Let's be honest. Yeah. Out of South Carolina. Or else, who would, you know, would you even mention her name? But she's the only woman, that's why. So um, Tim Burchett was on Newsmax. And uh, he disagrees with Mike Lawler. He thinks Trump can unify the Republican Party and the House. This is a uh, budget cut number sixteen once again. Newsmax.
10: I think that could be a unifying factor within the conference. Um, he is the he's the front runner, and he will remain that I, I assume. Um, but I, you know, I, I think what he'll do is come in there and unify us and tell us we need to get behind somebody else, and that he appreciates it and he is honored. And, but he would—he—he'll be—he'll provide any leadership or any any guidance that he needs. But I suspect he will say that he, we need to get it amongst ourselves.
7: My friend Susan Brown Otto up in Bethel listens every day where my mom lives, Kanayanga Lake, White Lake, six miles outside of Monticello. She said the um, the Wall Street Journal did a hit job on Nancy Mace today. She loves Mark Molinaro. She loves Mike Lawler. All right. We got a big, big show coming up. Great guests. It's a Friday. We're going to have some fun too. We started off with Brian Kilmeade. He'll be here at 645. Curtis Slewa, as he is every day, coming up at 710. Curtis texted me at 1130 last night on his way to St. John Villa Academy on Staten Island. Curtis is going to be on fire today. (laughs) Don't miss that. Where are
8: you? Get over here now. Where are you? 740,
7: Andrew Giuliani. 840, my man Joseph Tacopina. And 910, President Trump's daughter-in-law, my friend, Lara Trump. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Happy pre-Columbus Day Friday right here on sitting friends in the morning he's my brother
1: he's my brother
2: This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh,
1: you're my best friend.
2: 77 WABC.
7: great van halen songs love walks in found out this morning from the man lou Rafino that eddie van halen who really was the epitome of a rock star for a long time married valerie bertinelli she was cute she's fat now but she was cute anyway uh she hears me say that she'll kill me she gets so upset about that he died two years ago today so lou who i've known for 25 years you know then we're legitimately great great friends and you know, I can't get much by Lou. He, he knows me very, very well. He really does. So he says to me, he goes, uh, You know, Eddie Van Halen died two years ago today. I go, Yeah, you know, terrible. I go, Play Love Walks In. You know, I, I co wrote that song. He goes, You what? I said, Yeah. Now, the reason why he even bought it to begin with was because I knew the title of the song. And he probably thought, Now, why would Sid? I know he knows Jump. Everybody knows that. Panama. But for Sid to say Love Walks In, maybe he did. So Lou goes to me, he goes, "Um, well, how did you do it? And I'm saying to myself, there's no way in a million years that Lou Ruffino really believes that I sat and co-wrote Love Walks In with Eddie Van Halen. But it seemed to me like you believed that was true.
8: I, I don't know where you got that from, but I went, wait a second.
7: And then you said, well, how'd you do it?
8: Uh, yeah, because... You didn't just was, completely,
7: uh Sid, stop.
8: No, 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 because I was curious. I waited. I wanted to hear what far story you were going to tell me so that no. then I could say... Oh, okay. Yeah, because...
7: I think I, you bought it. I think, I, I think you no, bought I it.
8: I wanted to give you a chance. Let
7: me ask Alec. Alec was sit, he's sitting right there.
8: Okay, yeah.
7: He's you, the orbiter here. He you, is the third party.
10: You don't want to hear my answer.
7: I want to hear it, if it's honest.
10: Well, that it's not going to be the answer you well, want to hear. just give it. me the answer, dickface. Lou was setting you up. Lou set you up. <laughs> You're an idiot. I'm, I'm, I'm oh I didn't God. do it. I didn't do anything.
8: He's, he the, he's the one it.
10: who set you up. He yeah. bought it, hook, line, and sinker. He park. wanted to tell you, tell, tell okay. this far-off story on the air so that everybody would make fun of you.
8: I told, I said, I, what, I'm going to let him go, mm. and then I want to wait to hear what this right. story's is." to so, so let me
7: get this. So the show is 31 minutes old. 31 minutes. Yeah you guys mocked me and talked about my death in the first segment uh-huh.
8: well you're the one who first said nothing's gonna happen when I'm gone right you know? which,
7: is, which, a... which is true right, then in the right. second segment you set me up to look like an idiot yes <laughs> all of this is low-hanging fruit you' you're, you're literally just throwing fastballs
10: right down the middle
8: <laughs> and by the way <laughs> and by the way you still might convince me
10: right no yeah. I have
7: no story for you <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's underwhelming so, so, so that's underwhelming so
8: you were lying you basically did not co-write. I right. love walks.
7: In. That's my first lie today. Mm-hmm. Darling. <laughs> 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 yeah, this You got that right. That's by the okay. Way, I'm uh, not
8: color me shocked.
7: By the way, Lou, I love you. This it's me. my second.
8: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. It's true. <laughs> All
7: right, listen. We got, uh, no, I do love you. Brian Kilmeade is coming up next. Uh, you it, did
8: write uh, Stairway to Heaven over that yeah. day, right?
1: Inter- <laughs> <laughs> inter- <laughs> inter- <laughs> inter-
7: <laughs> we also talked to Joe Nolan. Uh, Rutgers, right now, is a 13 and a half-point underdog at Wisconsin, I'm thinking about it. You know, I, I took Rutgers plus the points at Michigan. They were getting 24, and they lost by 24. So it's not as if they went up against a good team and did well. And they jumped out, and that came to a 7 nothing lead. they have beaten bad competition, which they're supposed to do, and they have beaten them badly, which is good. So I'm not sure about this Rutgers-Wisconsin game yet. Uh Nolan's coming up next. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC MiniCast clip of the day. Everything you need to know in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and get the max out of Mini. Listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Today's MiniCast is from the Rita Cosby show. Here, this is good. I heard this already. Here Rita talks with Congressman Troy Niels. Congressman,
1: your tweet is creating a firestorm. It says Kevin McCarthy will not be running again as Speaker. I nominate Donald J. Trump for Speaker of the House. Tell us why you did this.
8: Well, Rita, thank you for having me. Well, the reason I've nominated Donald J. Trump for Speaker of the House is there's no rule. There's I know, no This was a good cut
11: three days ago. Enough
7: of this.
10: I was literally just saying that. This
11: was a good cut
7: three days ago. Why is it the clue of the day today? Why, what, what's <laughs> the next cut? Have you heard President Kennedy got <laughs> <this out
2: there? laughs> oh, nice. my God. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC.
10: Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. Got to start on the gridiron here where the Chicago Bears marched into Washington to beat the Commanders last night by a score of 40-20 on Thursday night football. Justin Fields and the Bears offense, they look good once again for that first half. They exploded. Fields threw for three touchdowns in the opening two quarters. Two to D.J. Moore and one to Cole Komet to help the Bears to a
7: 27-3 halftime lead. That's their first win. They were up big at home against the Broncos last week. Yes. Everybody thought the Commander is a good team. They just thought to the Eagles in overtime, the 2-2 two and two would kill Chicago. But the best part of the Bears getting their first win of the year last night in dramatic fashion on the road was it happened the same day one of the greatest Chicago Bears of all time. And most people think maybe behind maybe Ray Lewis or Ray Nitschke as the best middle linebacker in the history of the NFL. Dick Butkus passed away yesterday at the age of 80. What are the odds Butkus dies? The Bears are the only game that night. They're winless, and they win the football game. How about that? Pretty cool, right? That's a feel-good story on a Friday I think so. I think so as well. Yeah, and I co-wrote Love (laughs) Walks.
10: How about it? We're two for two on this Friday morning. (laughs) Bears get get off the schneid watching Washington (laughs) drop to two and three on the year. Locally, this weekend, the Giants are in Miami to take on the Dolphins Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. They're currently 11.5 point underdogs. As for the Jets, they'll be in Denver Sunday at 425. That's two-point dogs against the Broncos. Some college ball to look forward to tomorrow. Starting at noon, here we go. you got three games at noon tomorrow to look forward to. Number 12, Oklahoma at three, Texas. Texas, five and a half point favorites there. Maryland at number four, Ohio State. The Buckeyes, 19 and a half point favorites there. Rutgers at 13 and a half point. Dogs going into Wisconsin and the nightcap is tomorrow 7 p.m. You've got 20, Kentucky at number one, Georgia. Georgia, 14 and a half point favorites. seven thirty p.m. Number two, Michigan, 18 and a half point favorites at Minnesota. Over to the Diamond. All four division series set to get underway tomorrow. Texas is in Baltimore for game one against the Orioles. Minnesota is in Houston to get things going against the Astros. The Phillies are headed to Atlanta to take on the Braves and the Diamondbacks they're in LA to take a crack at the Dodgers and stand with baseball New York Mets uh, general manager Billy Epler resigned yesterday amid a major league baseball investigation into his use of the so-called phantom injured list sources did tell ESPN so Epler steps down uh, Stearns is on his way in. Epler said in a statement, quote, I wanted David to have a clean slate. David Stearns, that is. And that meant me stepping uh, down. More on that as we learn more. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77
2: WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
7: So yesterday, we do this really moving and unbelievable and deserve it. One year to the day we lost Bernard. This really moving and beautiful show, and we had about a thousand guests on. I mean, a thousand dating back to the I Miss days. Connell McShane, Warner Wolf, and a host of others. Mike Breen was terrific as well. Joseph Abboud, all these guys. Pete Morgan, but I think the guy that really stole the show was Frank Morano. And why is that? Because Frank Morano talked about me. <laughs> This was a Bernie remembrance show, but Frank Morano found a way to say, hey, love Bernie, talented guy, we all miss him, but how about Sid? Bernie passes away, and Sid's got the number one show in the world. So I uh, I thanked Frank, of course, this morning when I saw him, and I said, Frank, you know, I thought of all the interviews I heard about this whole, my friend Nancy Mace, who was on with me twice this week already, of all the interviews I heard, I think you and Kill Me did the best job. He goes... Funny you mentioned Brian Kilmead. I said, Why is that? He said, Well, you know, last Friday, I know, I know, Atlantic City, Brian had to take two cars, three boats, six buses. Yeah. <laughs> but he made his way through the rainstorm to Atlantic City, and supposedly he was awesome. Got a new book coming out, Teddy Roosevelt, Booker T. Washington, all that good stuff. And he said, you know, he he was kind enough too, after this great show, to walk over to everybody and sign their books. And I go, I'm not surprised. Kilmeade is a man of the man. People love him. He said, yeah. And he goes, he signed my book. I said, okay, great. He said, yeah. You want to know what he wrote? I go, why would I care? He goes, well, you may when you hear what he wrote. I said, sure. What did Brian wrote? Right, I should say. And according to Morano, Mur- uh, the exact quote from Brian Kilmeade that he wrote in Morano's book is, quote, better than Sid. Is that true, Brian?
11: Yeah, I was trying to make him feel better. His wife was there. And, you know, I just said, I know you guys are arch rivals and I'll make it. But I'll write something even more, uh, promising for you when you go and purchase a book. I'm not going to give you another book. You got to go purchase it at Barnes and Noble or another reputable bookstore. Oh, don't, don't wait for the sale, uh, the sale card either. Um, so I did write that and I knew that it was going to come back to me. (laughs) A second I wrote it, I go, this probably wasn't smart and I go because Sid oh, is so sensitive yeah. and the and the rivalry between you two is yeah. so There's strong no, rivalry. No, no 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 you know it kind of like, no, it's like
7: the Red Sox and the Yankees like the Yankees would win championships every year the fans didn't care the Red Sox until 2004 they never won they would consider it a rivalry so in that Example in that scenario on the Yankees and Frank's Boston. I mean, I love him dearly. He's a tremendous talent and a super guy, but in fact, nobody rivals me. Nobody.
11: Okay. I I mean, he feels differently.
7: (laughs) Right, because he's the Red Sox guy. I'm the Yankee guy. I just went By the way, they're both out of
11: the playoffs this year, so I don't like your analogy. <laughs> I mean, you you guys are both socks. I mean, you're number one in New York yes. in the mornings. Yes, so that you is can't true. say Red Sox Yankees this year. They're rebuilding. You're, right. you're not rebuilding. You're right.
7: It's, it's a whole the whole sports scene's a mess. Billy Upper. gets fired. I mean, you fired. this?
11: This year, the thing that made it so hard is we really thought. I mean, everybody I know thought this is going to be promising. You know, the Yankees had another pitcher. They, they got, they, uh, had some injuries at the end. Judge's not gonna have the pressure of hitting 60 again. At the end, he kinda got, uh, tightened up. So I'm saying to myself, they're gonna be really good again, and they'll add somebody in July, and they'll, they'll take it all this year. And obviously not. The Mets were out of it in June, and now they're both, I don't know how the Yankees are rebuilding. I do have, uh, some ideas on how they should. But, uh, but the Mets have totally, uh, they fire their manager. They might lose Pete Alonzo. I mean, where do they even start? Well, they won't lose Alonzo. In fact,
7: uh, the first thing David Stern said when he took over was, Pete Alonzo is going to be my first baseman, and Cohen's going to pay him. He ain't going anywhere. But uh the team's a mess. The Yankees fired nobody. And now football season is basically over because the Jets and Giants are a combined 2-6, and six, and the Giants, with Miami and Buffalo coming up, look completely lost. So... Let's go Knicks. Let's go Rangers. But I do want to get back to what I said about uh, you and uh, Marano, and and I and I really meant it. The interview you did about Kevin McCarthy being ousted, and again, I'm very close with Nancy Mace. I think you know that she was on uh, twice this week, including yesterday. And I said, Nancy, it seemed kind of selfish you made it about yourself. I love you. I love you. But you made this about yourself. You know, you teamed up with Matt Gates, who's a selfish prick, who made this a personal vendetta with uh with McCarthy. And I said, "I think you hurt yourself. I really think you hurt yourself." And she said, "I don't care." She said, "I did what's best for the country. We're sick of the chaos. We're sick of it." Really? We yes, we I said, "Well, didn't you just cause more chaos?" She said, "No." <laughs> Next week, we'll have Scalise or Jordan or somebody else, and everyone will forget what happened this week. I know you disagree.
11: I, I, mean, I mean, I can't believe that she sat next to Matt Gates and sat down with Steve Bannon and did an interview. I mean, she, if you look up Nancy Mace's comments on Matt Gates, she doesn't even like him. Um, uh, and She said some really harsh things about him. No, 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 but she changed, changed that. Well, was, no,
7: she, she changed that because she did my show Monday. She was here for the view. She did the view on Monday. And this was the day before they ousted McCarthy. And she said on my show, she said, Gates and I are friendly. We're good friends. And I'm going to vote with them. So I was not surprised she did it. She actually said it on my show the day before. I was still disgusted and angry, but she did say Monday, her and
11: Gates are quote unquote friends. I don't know. You, you want to see some of these quotes that she said about him? I mean, we'll share them off the air. But, I mean, how can they be uh, friends? It doesn't make any sense to me. And the thing is, I always ask myself, what's the objective? You know, you're about to lose your temper. If you're about to lose your temper uh, and you say, well, that I'm going to lose my temper on my boss. Well, what's the objective? Well, you could lose your job. Is it worth it? Even if you're right, is it worth it? And the, the Republicans should have said, no, of course not. It's not worth it. This guy didn't do anything wrong. You know, if you go back and see, these are maneuvers that you have to make with an unwieldy caucus. Well, I should have brought, she wanted to bring the abortion issue in the 15 or 12 or 15 weeks, whatever she wanted to do, uh, uh, to the floor. Okay. Not yet. Nine months in. Didn't have a chance to do it. Well, uh, let him, you know, they went back and forth. He called their chief of staff and said, what is Nancy Mace bad of? And the chief of staff, according to Kevin McCarthy, said nothing. You didn't, you, there's nothing you did. So I guess she's going to fire her chief of staff. But uh, having said that, uh, when people say, you know, uh, Matt Gates, i got to get him out, and no one can convince me it's not personal. And then we had this congressman from Tennessee said, well, I wanted to pray about it, and Kevin McCarthy called me up and says, we've been friends. You voted for me 15 times. We've been friends for about 10 years. What is there to pray about? He goes, well, you're mocking me and praying, so I, I'm going to vote against you. And I I confront him. I go, listen, so you're friends with him, but the fact that you believe he mocked you for praying when he said he didn't and you're friends, that's why? Well, yeah, well, I think it's better for the country. So you, okay. I I just said, I said this earlier, um, Sid, if I have 96% approval rating at WABC and Sid Rosenberg does too and I have it at Fox, I walk home pretty happy. It's not like he got ousted by 180 people. Eight? 210 more conservative than uh, and experienced than, than these eight, in many cases. So he's
7: doing a really good job. Leave him alone. Yeah, it doesn't make sense that 4% decided it's, that he's done. And, and I know you made a, a baseball analogy, but I was watching Newt Gingrich on Hannity show the other night, and he made a great analogy. He said, look, Georgia's the number one football team in the country. If they're taking on Nick Saban in Alabama, and right before the game, four or five players from Georgia decide, I'm going to play for Alabama, they're going to kick him off the team. And it doesn't make sense. I don't know where else in America today
11: we make decisions based on right. three or four percent. You know, Sid, I think that's so so underreported what you just said, because people will just say he got ousted, he was unpopular, didn't do the right thing. By whom? Eight people. How many in there? 218. Really? So 210 say he's doing a good job. Eight say he isn't. Now he's humiliated. The shortest tenure in American history. Never before done in American history. A week where nothing gets done. We literally don't have a governing body right now. Until next week when you know Jordan's not going to get enough right away. Or Steve Scalise is not going to get enough. Or Congressman Hearn is not going to get enough. And you know Trump might be dramatically taking over. Just more chaos. And around the world they are people are really our allies are really getting nervous there's a sense that we're coming apart.
7: And we are. I I tell you what, I got the same sense here, and not just on a national level. But uh, this, of course, is Brian Kilmeade, who's amazing. After me, every day, don't miss him, 10 o'clock here on WABC, Fox and Friends on Fox News. And we'll get to his own show, which is tremendous, 9 p.m. Saturday nights after Levin, One Nation. I had the uh, mayor on last Thursday for 30 minutes, and we had a great conversation. And he, on record, blasted Joe Biden. Okay, great. Then I hear a cut from Mayor Adams, who's not even here. He's in South America, he's in Ecuador, he's in Colombia, I don't know where the hell he is. I hear a cut yesterday that says, and I quote, our policy hasn't changed. We want the borders open. Whoa, 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 hold on a second. What? Yeah, oh yeah, I played it ten times yesterday. When was that a policy here in New York? And secondly, how can the mayor possibly... Possibly be critical of Joe Biden if in fact, if he wants the borders open, that's what Biden is doing. So he's mad at him because he hasn't given him money? I don't, I can't believe what I heard from Eric Adams yesterday. Our policy remains the same. We want the borders open.
11: It's insane to go to, to go to Mexico and say that. That's exactly the opposite of what he told us he was, he was traveling to do. He was saying we're closed. Don't come. We're full. You know, you saw the numbers 3,700 just came last week. Uh, again, you know, we're up to 122,000. That was before that, so it was 125,000. So if he's, I mean, I, I'm am flabbergasted by that. All I saw was him walking in the airport saying he's got to just get the message out. So, I mean, it's embarrassing for for this administration to have to have mayors travel the country. The mayor of Chicago, is a, who does not seem to be, uh the beginning of a successful term obviously going to the border to see for himself the problem. The Secretary of State, the Attorney General of Mexico City seeing the problem. And then he's they're building twenty miles of wall only because they claim the courts are making them. So instead of just saying, hey, what was wrong? It's definitely going to be part of the solution. we got to send a message to get out because this is a catastrophe. Instead, you break the border. You're trying to fix the border while denying it's a, it's a catastrophe. I think we all know different. I, I'm looking, and my first, my A block, I'm pretty sure Saturday night is going to be just about how Trump's best advertisement is Joe Biden's policies. And, and that more than, uh, along with being targeted in New York ridiculously by this clearly political motivated attorney general, this, this tr- this clown show that's going on right now, uh, that together is probably, and, and you know, I didn't say this in 2022. You, we've been talking every week. Yep. I, uh, Joe Biden's ineptness is putting G- uh, Donald Trump back in the White House. Yep.
7: I think it is too. And you know, you, you call it a clown show. And so did I. I made the comparison this week that the same vendetta, that allowed Matt Gates to get rid of Kevin McCarthy is the same personal vendetta Letitia James has with Donald Trump. The difference is, while it is a clown show and unfair and may put Trump back in the White House, this is destroying him. I mean, there's a real possibility he could be fined upwards of a quarter of a billion dollars, lose his practicing license, loses the buildings. I mean, this is this is
11: real. This is real. Listen, I, I I spotted this when I started reading this, that the judge already made this decision, and we have a three-month trial straight ahead. I go, what are we even doing the trial for? There's no jury. You know, setting up for appeal. And then when they had the statute of limitations, goes, yeah, a lot of this stuff happened before 2014, but it will play a role in my ultimate decision about his actions after. I go, excuse me? statute of limitations. It's statute of limitations. You know, it's done. Why don't we go doing that with Hunter Biden? Excuse me, by your policies, even though you didn't pay your taxes in the five years or up, Uh, By the way, you've acted. I'm going to take those five years into account. You can't do it, but they're doing it. So, I mean, this, this civil trial has me so confused. I have a lawyer on every day who says something different, but now he's got to sit there and he's seeing it all burn up for no reason. And you know how many people in that business will say, Hey, I want to buy that golf club. It's four billion dollars. Okay. Uh, I'll pay you two billion. Okay. Let's settle on three billion. How dare you overestimate the value of that golf course? Well, if you have to go to a bank, the bank's not going to wait for you and your opinion or your speech. They're going to send adjusters down there and they will decide. And accountants got to sign off on it. But just like they flipped one of his lawyers in the Georgia case, they actually not in the in the documents case, they actually flipped his accountant and say, if, you know, walk away from Trump and we won't file charges on you. I'm 'm st- next thing you know, his accountant's testifying against him. Who ever heard of this? And have, the Americans are disturbed by this. And I'm telling you, a lot of people who have to deal with the court system are saying, if it could happen to me it, or it happened to me, and they're going after our president, this is purely political, and Letitia James sits out there and claims it's not, and we have video that show differently. I've never seen anything like it. Out of, all, out of all the cases, this is the one that astounds me the most.
7: Well, listen, as always, Brian, excellent job. Uh, Once again, folks, Fox and Friends, Fox News every morning. One Nation, I really believe this, not because I've been a guest on it many times. I think it's the best show on Fox News, 9 p.m. on Saturday nights. And, of course, follows me every weekday morning at 10 o'clock right here on 77 WABC. My man, the great Brian Kilmey. Brian, excellent again. We'll do it again next week.
11: All right, stay within yourself, Steve.
7: Go get (laughs) him. Big show coming up. Curtis Lee will coming up next. It's the Friday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning. Keep it right here. We believe the
6: borders should remain open. That's the official position of this city. But we have made it clear there should be a decompression strategy that we could properly deal with the volumes that's coming into our city. And no cities should have to carry the burden of a national. Of the national government.
7: Somebody tell me what the effort compression strategy is, and the policy remains the same. The borders are open. Kill me, didn't even know that. Almost fell off his chair. We'll talk to Curtis coming up.
11: Purchase new wiper
2: blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer
11: with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: O, oh, O, oh, O, oh, O'Reilly
2: Auto Parts. <laughs> Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WAVC.
1: Touch me in the ball.
7: morning, and of course, later on tonight, Curtis is going to put on his white suit and his black button-down shirt, head on over to 2001. Bernard once said about Curtis, who was known to have a good time, I like that about Curtis, that he would go to the Christmas parties, and somebody once said to him, we didn't know who Curtis was. This is the truth. He said, and I quote, does that guy have polio? But I think he was just jealous, because I think Curtis could actually bust the old Brooklyn move, and he loves the BGS, he loves that song as he should, and that does take us back to uh, Stephanie Mangano, sitting by the window in her Brooklyn brownstone when she said to John Travolta, she said, "Can you be friends with a girl?" And he looked at her, he said, "I could try." And that was the end of the movie. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Uh, anyway. No, you can't be friends with really, a girl.
12: Let, let me straighten that out. You can't be? You cannot
7: be friends well, what if, with what, a woman What if
12: she's fat and not that good looking? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That's, really? No, no, no. no God, no, you no. are dirty. Associate, yes. But friend, no. Absolutely not.
7: Now, why not?
12: No. Can't
7: yeah. do it. Can't do it. There's no way. Well, look at you. You married, like, ten women. So I understand
12: they that. They were probably
7: your friend at one
12: point. And when I was a whirling dervish on the dance floor. You still
7: can dance, I still.
12: Would, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would tell the young ladies. Never when I, when I was married, I would only dance with my wife. I right. would not dance with anyone else. Right. But, but you made
7: sure you weren't married a lot, so. When,
12: <laughs> I was single. I would tell the young lady, after we would do a slow jam, a grind, you better go for a pregnancy test <laughs> in the morning. You know What what, what, do you you mean? That? what do you mean by that? Uh, that's Tracy Jess Morgan says that.
7: Tracy yes, Morgan says yes. you can get him pregnant just by looking at him,
13: basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
7: So you're the white Tracy Morgan.
12: Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I, I got to tell you, feet don't fail you now. <laughs> yeah. You know going into clubs, most of these guys don't dance. They just sit there and they watch their women dance well, with the other I women.
7: Right. I, would, I would go into the club. First right. of all, I'd spend most of the time in the bathroom stall. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank God that's over. And the Then I would just kind of nod my head as if I knew how to dance. And then when I did dance, I knew I was awful, but... I guess I was Well, cute, you were waiting so. for
12: the horror to play so a guy could get up and you could be doing a, a dance like <laughs> yeah. like the Orthodox and yeah. the Hasidic do with men, back and forth, well, My problem forth.
7: was all of my buddies, my next-door neighbor, Joseph Iovine, great-looking guy, you yeah. know, the, the Pontiac Firebird, the muscles. Oh, oh muscle car. Yeah. yeah, his cousin, Anthony Corsaro and Billy. And all these guys were great-looking guys from Brooklyn. Uh, Joseph and I lived on Quentin Road. The Corsaros lived in Diker Heights. The Terminias out in New Jersey now. They were all great look in all of them so we'd go to a club and i would just kind of get lost with them and i would do okay every now and then based on their success but they would go on the floor and it was like they cleared it like Travolta. you had to you had to because
12: then uh the ladies were just like throwing themselves at you you could have been the ugliest guy in the world but they wanted a guy to dance with they're tired of dancing with women yes uh but the problem is if some gabon was i fornicating you and mad dogging you you understood that's that guy's lady, it's time for me to get the hell out of here because, you know, while you're dancing, he's getting all of his crew together and they're going to beat you down in the
7: parking lot. Funny you say that. There wasn't one Friday night, not one, the Underground, the Palladium, Xenon, Bedrocks, Long Island, you name it. There was not one Friday night where I didn't come home bloodied Absolutely. and battered. Absolutely. Because my broken boys, they were ready to go. Oh, A- and not only that...
12: But when you're street fighting, you look at you. If it's a Jew you're fighting or an Italian, they got the big schnoz. Just hit them in the schnoz. They're going to bleed all over the polyester shirt, yeah. you know, whatever jacket they're wearing. Where's the Irish guy? They don't matter. Hit me with a chair, a uh, club. Just beat the hell out of me. See, I want
7: to I be like Jake Kamara. You didn't knock me down. And, uh, I don't know Irish guys with us. Uh, you know, uh, in fact, when I wanted to be with the Irish, yes, I would make my way to Flatbush Avenue. Not far from my buddy George Lopataro's Oasis Diner. And they had like four bars. They were big back then. You had Captain Walters in Sheepshead Bay. That was a big Thursday night hangout. You had Wheelers in Sheepshead Bay, big Tuesday night hangout. China Club, Monday night in New York City. But the Flappish Avenue bars were uh, Cuckoo's Nest. That was huge. Gallagher's, Night Owl. That's where the Irish were. They couldn't come with us to the city.
12: I stay out of all the bars because everybody's looking to start a fight in the gin mill, especially the Irish. They know you. One minute they're shaking your hand, hey Curtis, and then uh, an hour later it's like they never saw they before beat you before to beat the hell out of I know,
7: but, but, but you. it's very easy to stop it. Just buy them a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me this. Uh, last night, you did it again. Yeah,
12: yeah, before we get to last uh, okay. night, okay. I was really disturbed by your list of the all-time great no, that's middle not linebackers. My, that, that's
7: not my list. That's an ESPN yeah, list. Yeah, but you signed on to it. No, I agree that Ray Lewis is the best middle linebacker ever. Absolutely ever. not. 100%. Look, Ray Lewis, 16
12: years, right? Local guy, Lakeland, Florida, went to University of Miami. That's why you love love him, Hurricane. Oh,
7: because he, he, that Baltimore Ravens team had Trent Dupont quarterback I and saw, won a look, Super Bowl. I saw
12: them kill the Giants yes. before he killed two guys in <laughs> Buckhead celebrating in Atlanta and then blamed the other two guys who eventually got off well, as I, they were acquitted.
7: I do believe he did it. I mean that. There's no doubt he did. And I was at that same bar, just so you know, that was 1999. Yes. It was a freezing cold Atlanta, Georgia. Turned out to be one of the greatest Super Bowls ever. The Rams won their first Super Bowl with Dick Vermeil and Kurt Warner and crew. They held on to beat Steve McNair, now the late Steve McNair, and the Tennessee Titans by a touchdown, and the game ended with Steve McNair throwing a pass to Kevin Dyson. You ready for this?
12: Inches, inches away. Very good. All the batters were going crazy. Yes, Mike
7: A. Jones, the Rams linebacker, tackled Dyson inside the one. Yes. And the game ended. So I was there all week, and I was with Sportsline. We had a major announcement that week. We announced MVP.com, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, Shaquille O'Neal, me and Scott Kaplan. We were running the city. And that bar that you're talking about was Cobalt. In Buckingham. That's right. Cobalt.
12: had Michaels. to fight outside. The fight outside. Yes. And
7: we were there the night before. I'll tell you one quick story. Jamal Anderson, former Pro Bowl running back of the Atlanta Falcons, who played in the Super Bowl the very next year. The dirty bird, right? In Miami. Very good. He got so effed up. He started throwing up all over the club. Oh. His bill was 1600 bucks, oh, and he left. He never tipped the waitress a penny. Oh, a deadbeat. So me and Scott Kaplan walk in. I got no money. At that point, I'm making 70000 a year. I got nothing. And the waitress is crying. And we're like, what's the matter? Why are you crying? Oh, this guy, 1600 bucks. He's a pro bowler. So I got nothing. I got. I think Danielle gave me three hundred bucks for the whole week, <laughs> and I felt so bad. I gave her hundred dollars. Oh, a I, I had to eat spaghetti with ketchup. That's a man. What a double <laughs> man!
12: You know, you could have had spaghettios, Chef Boyardee <laughs> out of the can, right? What a double man! Yeah. Sin. I, I now have a renewed, higher view of you. <laughs>
7: Thank you.
12: I Thank Give a hundred bucks. I gave her a hundred bucks. Man, a Benjamin Franklin right I, there. And she
7: had not served me at that point anything. Now I made up for it by the end of the night. <laughs> I drank quite well, a that's bit. Funny. Then.
12: You know, uh, t- to be honest, the men and women out there who do who are servers and waiters, this is how they make their money. That's it. It's on the tip. People don't realize oh, listen, that.
7: I-, I was a waiter at Fridays in Sheepshead Bay Brooklyn for years. Then my first job traf, in Boca. you were serving trade. I was serving ah, was very angry yes. with you. And then when I left rehab in Florida, my first job was at L&N Seafood in the Boca Town Center Mall. Oh, Moore. God. All the altacacas. Exactly. And they're on a fixed income. They got no money. They walk in, they go, we love that guy, Sydney. He reminds us of a grandson. I'm in the back going, no, 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 because 10% was all I was getting. It didn't matter. It, it, no matter what I did, I made them biscuits. I washed their car. 10% that's all they could afford. didn't matter. It was brutal. But, but why don't you like uh, Ray Lewis at number one? No,
12: no, 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 not Ray Lewis. First of all, he played 16 years. You know, Dick Buckets only played eight years. Correct. He was all pro every year. Very He's good. So intimidating. Nobody, even Terry Bradshaw, who, let's face it, there was nothing upstairs in his head. He feared no man. He did not <laughs> want to play against Dick bucket So I'll tell you what, a compromise. Because Dick Buckus grew up in Chicago, went to Chicago vocational high school. You know right there, that's a tough school. University of Illinois. Both these guys never left their state. How about a tie? You get black and white, ebony and ivory. It's sort of like the movie... That, uh, in fact, Dick Buckus was in, the one that you love so much, the Brian Piccolo story. He was in it. Yes. Brian's song. Yes, yes. You you love that. I love that. Even though it's the guy featured, the guy who sued me, you remember, uh, G- uh, James Kahn Jimmy Kahn sued you? Yeah, yeah, because I said he was an affiliate of the Colombo crime family. I had to read an apology on the air. But he, you know something? The he apology, was Jewish. The apology was worse than what I had originally said. One point we're going to have to play that. You're well, did, I, you got to listen to this. See, I'm, I'm so
7: jealous of you. Yes, yes. I am. I'm serious. I wish I could just go out and get arrested every night. I wish Jimmy Kahn would sue me. You, you, you know, like, some,
12: see, see, uh, <laughs> hey,
7: hey, Justin, see if you can find my apology to uh, Jimmy Kahn. I got to hear this.
12: It is the most hilarious thing. They told me we're going to fire you unless you apologize to Jimmy Kahn. Who told you this? Uh, this was over at AM 970. The, the anti I spent, yeah. four years wasting yeah. my life that I'll never get well, back. Well, and the
7: problem is with the answer is they didn't have an answer. Exactly. And they still don't. And nobody listened. Right, nobody. nobody does. Does. Uh, but, uh yeah it was Bill. D. Williams and uh you're right, Jimmy Kahn. So you wanna you wanna split it between Wade Lewis and Dick yeah, I think So uh right. black and
12: white, Ebony and Ivory, both intimidating factors. Although the one great game I saw Kaepernick, Super Bowl, remember, I think it was two thousand. I was there. The lights went out. I was there too, thirty-four yeah. minutes. It was and, and Wade Lewis. Lewis was <laughs> huffing and puffing, chasing Kaepernick. And then he was inhaling, remember the Elk Antler Powder, which was like a conic kind of elixir. Yeah, yeah. Which I think was nothing more than, obviously, an illegal substance. Uh, it
7: may be. I, I know what you're talking about. And the Ravens uh, did win that game. That was Joe Flacco. And they beat uh, Kaepernick and the 49ers in the that, that was a great Super Bowl. Great Super Bowl. That fact, was a great Super Bowl. Kaep- Kaepernick played well. He should have yes, won. Yes, yes, yes. yes. But, uh, yeah, maybe not as bad as Thomas Hollywood Henderson when the Cowboys beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl, was literally mixing cocaine and water yeah, on the sideline. Say,
12: little girl, can you follow me to my <laughs> hotel room, little girl? He was doing a Lance <laughs> Renssel. Lance <laughs> Renssel was dropping his drawers and flashing his three-piece set. The guy was like out of central casting. One of the greatest receivers, Dallas Cowboys. Bob Hayes on the other side. Dandy Don Meredith taking the snaps. And he was married to Joey Heatherton. Wow. Drop dead gorgeous. Did, from,
7: he, yeah, Didn't Terry Bradshaw go with Heatherton too? I don't think so. You don't think so? Uh, oh, no, no, no. He was with JoJo Starbucks.
12: That's right, JoJo yeah. Starbucks. Right, no, right. No, I, right. I, I won't have a latte. I don't go to Starbucks. <laughs> but anyway, let's, let's get back to the Battle of Staten Island. Well, I
7: heard about this today. uh Actually, I heard about it. last night. Yeah, I go to bed like 9 o'clock at night. I'm up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm getting old. I just don't care. Yeah, you're real out
12: the cock. What can I say?
7: So I got a text from you 11.30 last night, which I saw at 3.08 this morning, and you said, here I am, back in the belly of the beast, me and the rebels, back at St. John Villa Academy. What happened, Curtis? All kinds of
12: noise going on. The cops were ferrying in illegal aliens. First of all, the whole bottom area, the sewage is backing up. The water is backing up in St. John's Villa Academy, a former all-girls Catholic high school, not ready to be housing any illegal aliens. The stench, this thing. And the people were making noise. The rebels were making noise. The grandmothers and mothers. And nobody complained in the neighborhood in Grasmere. Nobody complained. This is where the war is being fought. We do not retreat. We do not surrender. We battle and we tell them, Every illegal alien out. Go to Manhattan where they give you, you know, con arosa trailers with a chuleta on top. They give you a hotel room, anything you want in Manhattan. But in Staten Island, they battle you. Midland Beach and St. John's Villa Academy, that's the Alamo. That's where we have stopped the illegal aliens from invading into our city. And that's where the battle continues, said.
7: It uh, it is a battle, and those people out there they uh, they don't give up, and you don't give up, which is fantastic. But here's what I don't get: I had Lou Gentilmino on the show last week. He and uh, Mark are the two brilliant attorneys that won the case. Monsignor Farrell, I might add. Thank you. Not poly prep. That's fine, because I couldn't get into polypep Pipe because they're just not smart enough. It's okay. <laughs> That's uh, but they're smart enough to win that case. And uh, to be completely serious, uh, they won, and they started taking the illegal aliens out of St. John's Villa Academy. And yeah. people like me, who are not as smart as you, to be honest when it comes to this, I was under the impression That's it. They're not allowed to go back That that was the spirit of the agreement. Eric Adams, swagger
12: man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, raising the roof in Mexico City. Tonight it'll be Quito in Ecuador. And then he finishes it up in the cocaine capital of the Western Hemisphere, Bogota, with hookers everywhere. But he's going to be studying about the illegal aliens. Hey, you want to know about drogas? Last night they found a pound of crystal meth in the room of an illegal alien at the Ramada Inn and North North Cannon Avenue at 9.30 at night. That's right in the Travis section of Staten Island. Who the hell's doing the security? There is no curfew for illegal aliens, but there is. If you happen to be homeless in America, you have to be in your bed by 10 o'clock on night or you lose Uh, it. Unbelievable. They're bringing in drugs. They're smoking weed right out in the open. They're drinking cerveza. And what we're beginning to see in Staten Island, especially right there St. John Villa Academy, guys are driving up. They're picking up young ladies who are staying there in St. John's Villa with the mini skirts on, the sex traffickers, and the cops, they don't do anything. They close their eyes to it. So we're allowing crime to take place out of these migrant shelters. Look at this. A pound of crystal meth, and they didn't make any arrests. They know who's the illegal alien room that is, but you see they're untouchables. They can't be deported. You can't do anything to them. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. Put them all on Rikers Island. Yes. Because I have a feeling that half of them will end up doing time on Rikers right. Island. Right, Because they're starting to commit crimes all over the
7: place. You know, I played this. Uh, I didn't play it. I told them about it. Brian me. You heard the interview about a half hour ago? Yes. And uh, I said, Brian you got to be shocked. Eric is on my show for 30 minutes last Thursday taking Biden to task. And I thought he was taking Biden to task for the open border. Silly me. He only takes Joe Biden to task because the president won't give him money. He doesn't care about the open border. In fact, and I didn't know this, neither did Brian Kilmeade. I doubt you did too. It is New York policy to keep the borders open.
6: We believe the borders should remain open. That's the official position of this city, but we have made it clear there should be a decompression strategy what does that, mean? that we could properly do. I don't
7: know what decompression strategy is, but, but the borders? I, that's our policy? No, Open I, borders? I, I
12: checked with Councilman Robin Holden, the Democrat from Middle Village. He said absolutely not. There's nothing written. He just made that crap up. He is the Biden of Brooklyn, just like Joe Biden. He makes stuff up. Why didn't the press corps? Why didn't our own gnome blade and coal bust them? Ask him, is there a document? Can you cite any law? Do you even have a proclamation where that was ever
7: said? Uh, Noam, a very good question. Noam Layden Curtis just called you out, which he does occasionally. Uh, but he brings up a very, very good question. Why weren't you all over the mayor uh, finding out where this was, written somewhere, this policy that uh, we're okay with open borders? Well,
0: we you know, we played that audio, and we were surprised um, when he said
7: that, of course. Well. Well, why didn't you? Why didn't you press him to find out where exactly it's a policy? Well, you had him on; you could have pressed him. I'm on asking that. you. You stutter, mutter, prick. Why didn't you <laughs> ask him? <laughs> yeah, can we make? Uh, uh, no, yes. you yes. asked his
12: overpriced uh, communications director, that he uh, Fabian it, Levy. Yes. Yeah, uh, deputy mayor. Where is it cited in any law, proclamation, statement? It's that The official no. position of the city of New York is to promote and encourage. Uh, board is being open. Nowhere. It's nowhere.
0: You, you've seen the answers we
12: get, we
2: get from
7: City <laughs> yeah, Hall. No, no, I want more answers. So I can talk about it. On it on you, know what's un- you know what's unfortunate, Curtis and Norm, is I actually kind of like Fabian Levy. I talked to Fabian quite a bit. I kind of like him. He's in an impossible situation because he's part of that group. Maybe he's part of the reason why. I don't know. But, uh, to your point, Curtis, no, no, no one has given us any decent explanation. In Avernikoff, are they coming to Manhattan Beach?
12: Yes, they are. Uh, and look, today you had a deluge at about 6 o'clock, rain uh, outside. These tents can't handle it. These shelters can't handle it. And meantime, we don't know who these illegal aliens... Did you see the latest report from the Department of Health in the city of New York? Oh tuberculosis my. has exploded in the last year. We didn't have a case of tuberculosis before last year. Now, for a full year, what has happened... We've had all these illegal aliens coming in. Over 125,000, many of them with tuberculosis. Next time we're together. I had latent tuberculosis well, how did for you five that? years. How did you get because that? I was in the colonias of Libertad and Juarez, right on the border with Tijuana, when the Tijuana Police Department was attacking the illegals, raping them, robbing them under the cover of darkness. There was no fence at the time. There was no war whatsoever. It was lawless, sex trafficking, drug dealing. I don't know. We were out
7: there. I'm telling you. No, no. For some reason, I am had- a vision of, of a younger, drunker, Curtis Lee, with some whore in Mexico no, doing no, horrible things. And I sent you a picture. Ended up with tuberculosis. Did you see the picture that
12: I <laughs> sent you where we were patrolling in the Colonias? I did see that, I yes. know that area. Late. I'm going to bring in the paperwork, and you'll see I had latent tuberculosis for five years. That is dangerous. They have all these young men in tents, some of them with TB. They're coughing. As it gets colder, that TB is going to spread like wildfire. The Department of Health of the city of New York, of Eric Adams, who's partying and raising the roof in South America, says we have an emergency with tuberculosis. What's next? Polio? ebola flesh-eating virus you don't even medically check these people and now you're going to put them in a tent with a thousand young men some of them with tb as they're coughing and hacking oh that's probably a COVID 19 that's probably the flu no that's tuberculosis and then it's going to spread amongst us in the subways look if i were mayor and i should be mayor Every one of these folks would be on Riker's Island. We'd be medically testing them, vaccinations, check their criminal record. And then if they don't behave and they commit crime like bringing in a pound of crystal meth and selling underage women out in the streets, you're out of here, deported. Get the hell out of
8: our country.
14: or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. GaboLaw, where winning is no accident.
2: Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
7: 736 on your rainy Friday drummer for this band, Psycho. Today is his uh, heavenly birthday, not his birthday, his heavenly birthday, isn't that right, uh, Louis? Yes, he's gone. Gone.
8: Ginger Baker. Ginger Baker. Ginger, will a little out the house a little bit <laughs> The band after this, I don't know if you're... Blind Faith, Do you recall Blind Faith? Yeah, a little Eric bit. Clapton was in it, and Steve yeah, Winwood. Yeah, great band. So they, yeah, they put one record out, but they got together for their rehearsals. They were just starting. They so they get to the studio, and they were wondering they didn't have any drummer there yet. So Eric Clapton and this guy were were kind of friends, I think, back then. So he just showed up. Ginger just walked in. He walked in. They didn't well. contact him or anything. He walked in and he just gets behind the drums. He goes, <laughs> okay, we can start now. I'm here. Wow. They get pissed? No. Okay. They just didn't, re- didn't realize that. No. D- the rest of it was they like, okay, I guess he's <laughs> going to be here now. And because he thought he just said it all the time. I'm the best drummer in the world. That was was he?
7: How good was he? Well, he played. Queen was a pretty good band, huh?
8: Yeah. He was. He was known to be pretty. uh uh, pretty great pretty great actually but he he played jazz a lot too so that's why uh he he thought of himself as a extraordinary drummer and he was he was sophisticated i I gotta
7: tell i don't know about you guys but i hate people who think they're great at their jobs (laughs) (laughs) how you hate those people
8: yeah and go on about it unless they are
7: great like me and ginger baker
8: there is they, – maybe they'll come out with a documentary about you. There was a documentary about him that this guy from Rolling Stone did. Is that right? Yeah, and they – he went out to – he used to live in Africa, yeah. in South Africa, and he owned a soccer team, Ginger Baker. No kidding. Yeah, he had a plantation, and uh, it was called Beware, Mr. Baker. Beware, Mr. Baker. So you, I have to see it. And it says when you're entering his land, and this big sign says, Beware of Mr. Baker, because he was – he could be mean and uh, very uh, prickly and ornery, which he was with this writer. Yeah. He, spent, he lived there for like a week. He had him stay there. He granted him access. That's awesome. It was fascinating. I got to watch it. Oh, he makes fun of the Rolling Stones and everything. <laughs> Gina Bina checks in. We love her in our social media
7: department. And she says um, she's talking about Neil Pert and Keith Moon. They're also great dramas, yeah. There's a lot of great dramas. I, um, I'm gonna have to yell at you guys too before I get to Andrew Giuliani coming up. I'm gonna have to yell at all you guys the next time any one of you bastards, and this goes for all of you, Lewis, Noam, and, uh, Justin. Justin's out getting my bagel, but. I'll write him a note. Are you listening? Very closely, yeah. Any one of you bastards says anything bad, I mean anything bad, about my friend Greg Kelly. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> and you'll be suspended for the
8: day. <laughs> okay. Some, someone was here late yesterday, I can see.
7: Well, I had to do an interview. We've got our second annual Dysproxia DCD America Radiothon coming up next Thursday, the 12th. And, um, you know, it'll be the regular show. Bill O'Reilly, Judge Napolitano, great guest. But we're going to ask you guys to send us a couple of bucks. This, uh, charity that Danielle and I started years ago inspired, you know the story, by my son Gabriel, who is the most beautiful young man God ever created. That doesn't mean your son's not great, I'm sure he is. But mine's better. And so we started this charity and uh, once a year we, we do a little thing here, and, and, and folks are very nice. So I was uh, here late yesterday taping an interview with a young man who's got this proxy, he lives in the UK and the interview is 3 o'clock. So I did a six hour radio show here yesterday. It ended at noon. I went downstairs to the New York Luncheonette, got myself a nice Greek rap, and came back up and sat around and happened to be here when uh the very talented Greg Kelly <laughs> Shut up. When Greg Kelly, the talent, he uh he played a piece of my interview with Geraldo Rivera, where Geraldo was for some crazy reason, defending Joe Biden, and Greg Kelly was extolling my virtues. No way. I think he should. And um, I thought it was really nice. He didn't have to do that. But he did do that. So once again, proving my point that Greg's a good guy, and you bastards who have been trying (laughs) for years to stir up all this animosity between the two of us, ain't going to work anymore. Right. Until he does something else. Yeah, right.
8: Yeah. I've heard different comments when you've been here late, by the way. Oh the really? Day. Oh from you, yes. You are now
7: this is another lie. What the whole day has been one big smear campaign.
8: Well, in addition to writing Love Walks In <laughs> <laughs> Only kidding. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, it be- was very nice of Greg, seriously. And and what was Araldo Rivera
7: thinking? That's the way the media portrays Joe. I love Geraldo. I've been his for a long time. He's a smart guy. But you know what it is with smart people? Some, sometimes smart people are too smart for themselves. They can speak and Geraldo is, is an excellent order. He's excellent and he's a smart guy. But sometimes they get so impressed with what they're thinking, they actually think it's the truth. And for anybody, I mean anybody, to say that Joe Biden is not a vegetable at this point is beyond ridiculous. He's a vegetable. He can't get through a sentence without muttering and stuttering. He talks to dead people. He tried to pronounce Hakeem Jeffrey's name the other day. It took him 30 minutes. This is above and beyond the fact that he has stolen him, his son, and his crooked brother millions of, from our enemies all across the world. Why would anybody, I don't get if you despise Trump, if you're a Democrat with a capital D, why would anybody ever admit publicly they like Joe Biden? Hello, people of Maui. There you have it. So, uh, excellent job by Greg Kelly, who is now, at this point, the third best host at the station. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, who's second? It's a tie between Sliwa and Murano and John.
8: No, that's that's a big tie. 3 yeah. People, anyway, yeah. Tie. yeah, so
7: maybe Kelly's like fifth. I don't know. But I don't
8: want it. Don't even. Why right. do you ask me these
7: questions?
0: Wait, so he's I,
8: fifth or third? No, he's down to five. I don't because know. Those are three and, No, no, no. You know, you're one. four. He's moving. He's, move, he's
7: moving up. I, I like him, and he was very nice to
8: me. We had a very nice okay. conversation yesterday. Just out of curiosity, who's sixth? Yeah, that's a good question. Who's who's after him? Because I want to know then who's going to maybe supplant him. Frankie Russo, <laughs>
7: <laughs> you know he doesn't work here anymore.
8: Yeah. Right? He doesn't. No,
7: major loss. Major, <laughs> get him back.
2: Talk radio seventy-seven WABC. Oh. This is sit and friends in the morning. Friends, how many of us have seventy-seven WABC.
11: You know how much I'm going to do with the deficit this year. God bless you all
7: may God protect our truth. Jesus. Come on. Yeah, Geraldo, he's doing great. He's great. Still to come, Joe Tacopina, Larry Trump will be here. My friend, the president's daughter-in-law. I also, yesterday afternoon, saw Andrew Giuliani here. Andrew does a great podcast and a great radio show. 2 p.m. every Sunday. Smart kid. Really is. And a good guy. And here he is for his regular Friday morning slot on Sid and Friends in the Morning, my good buddy Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, good morning, bud. How are you?
14: Hey, Sid, good morning. You know, to piggyback off of what you said last segment, I watched like the first six or seven minutes of the press briefing yesterday before I came into. Uh, studios. And uh, it's the first time I've watched a press conference by KJP in probably about two or three weeks or something like that. But in the first five or six minutes, she said the president has stated clearly on three different topics that she was asked. And I was like, look, can't we at least unanimously unite as Republicans and Democrats in saying that the president can't say anything clearly. Nothing. I mean, nothing. It was kind of amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. And you highlighted every single day with your with your clips. It's I really know. true. I
7: mean, she also said at one point he, he's the best communicator in the White House. But you see...
14: Well, he, he might be in the White House because it's a low bar.
7: Well, that's true. You're right. But, so but
14: he, might, he might be right.
13: But
7: if you heard O'Reilly's morning uh, statement that he makes every day at 720... So he was saying that uh, these two men, the uh, uh, Mansion and Cuomo, on News Nation, said that while there's political divide in D.C., that the everyday folks are fine, and they're both so wrong. I know so many people who don't talk to their own family members yeah. because they disagree politically. I mean, I don't know what world Cuomo and Mansion live in. They're morons. But anyway, oh hi Grace. So, um, <laughs> so what I'm getting at is here's Geraldo Rivera. Who's a friend of mine i love her although i really do. I don't care if you know. and he's a smart guy but you sound like a moron i don't care how smart you are when you make uh make an argument that joe biden
14: is okay no yeah no 100 percent. i think it's uh it's tough to take that seriously and then it's tough to take anything we would follow up with that seriously And and you could just see how little control he has Basically, any time he tries to riff off of those note cards, remember a few months back, he's done this a few different times when he said, I'm going to get in trouble if I uh, don't say this or if I look off of this or something like that. I can't imagine a world. Look, I worked for President Trump for four years. I see him you know, every other week, basically. And I can't imagine a world where the President, President Trump, in his mind, would even think for a second, uh, if I don't read these note cards, somebody else is going to be upset at me. And that's what Biden operates on, I know. because he understands that he just doesn't have the faculties at this point. we know that. Um, I guess they're just trying to cover it up as best as they can, and uh, they're not
2: doing a very good job.
7: Well, they are doing a good job, because uh, some of the polls I saw just today, for example, have Biden beating Trump 51 to 49. And then when they list, they list the 10 different categories that Americans care about, you know, inflation foreign policy. Seven of the ten. Listen carefully, Andrew. Seventy percent of those categories, Trump wins. But yet yeah. they would still vote for Biden. So they are doing a very good job because what they're doing is saying it doesn't matter how bad Biden is, he'll never be as bad as Trump. And morons believe that.
14: Yeah, you know, I remember uh this is probably a few months before the election in twenty twenty. It was actually Right after around the golf, and President Trump was having lunch. And I forget who we were with, but he was explaining to them in terms of how close this election would be. And he pulled the salt shaker up and he said, You see that salt shaker right there? If that salt shaker was running against me, it would get 48% of the vote. (laughs) Because because I've got the media, because I've got the Washington establishment against me, because I've got all of this against me, it doesn't matter who's running against me. The best I can get is 52%. And that probably is the truth. When you see day in and day out just how Trump is vilified, I mean, just look at Letitia James and everything that she's done in this thing. You can see the clips of her going, saying that she's getting elected to go after Donald J. Trump. And now you have a situation where she all of a sudden is saying what Trump is doing, showing up to his own case as a defendant, is playing politics. And the media covers it like Letitia James is – Absolutely
7: right on all Oh, so she, she actually said, I'm not going to be bullied. She said, quote, she I know. said, quote, I have nothing personal against Trump. And uh, and uh actually, Kelly, Greg Kelly, did a very good job of this yesterday. He must have played a three minutes, three minutes of her at rallies. I hate him, Kill him, Hang them. Ba, ba, ba. I mean, come on. Come on. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I want to take a one more step with Biden. What a uh, what a creepy is. So, <laughs> did he smell your hair? Is that what <laughs> happened? He came and smelled your hair? I don't have that. any hair. But uh, <laughs> on a serious note, he uh, you know—he he wants the borders open. We know that. Okay. So now he's at the point where the election is not that far away. And he knows that if he loses this election, that the border, because of the crime and the fentanyl and all that stuff, may be his undoing. Right. So now, all of a sudden, him and Mayorkas are saying, you know what? we got to build a border wall.
13: Wait a second, wait a
7: second. That's what Trump did. And and what he does is he's such a sneak, this Biden. He says, well, you got to understand, I have no choice. The courts are making me do this. So instead of saying, hey, look, we were wrong, we blew it, we're going to build the wall, he's blaming it on the courts when all he's doing is stealing Trump's policy. What a creep.
14: I think there's a very simple explanation for this that we may all be overlooking. Hunter Biden happens to now be in the construction contracting business, and he ended up taking up residency down in El Paso, Texas, and he's going to get about 10 percent of whatever money ends up going into that southern border wall. Because for him to make a juxtaposition like this, to do this flip that Biden has done, um, it really is amazing. Obviously, we know Hunter's not. Uh, construction guy. But the thing about this is you're absolutely right. When, when you see that he would make this slip after really three years of just pounding on anything that is Trump, especially with immigration, especially with this border wall, he has to know that these poll numbers are the things that can really, really kill him. And I would say he's probably looking even more detailed than these national polls. I bet you he's looking at the poll numbers specifically in Arizona, And Nevada, and looking at him. And I bet you they're starting to turn a little bit in his internals right there on him because they're getting such a brunt of it. Yeah, we all know what's happening in New York. He's got New York, and it probably does hurt him that New York is such a media center because all of that is then getting out to the rest of the country. But I think he's specifically looking at those two states and seeing those numbers starting to turn and realize that between those two states, that's about 20 electoral votes that he's going to have to make up. And if he loses one more with those two, and
7: bye-bye presidency. Andrew Giuliani, great show. Every Sunday, 2 p.m., he's got his own podcast. He's a man, him and his father. I'll uh, wrap it up the last couple of minutes with uh, went down with Kevin McCarthy. About 9 million opinions on this, but I really want yours. Uh, Nancy Mace was back on this show for a second time this week yesterday, and she ain't backing down. Said, hey, <laughs> I don't care. Newt Gingrich can call me a traitor. I did what was best for the Republican Party. I did what was best for the country, and I wasn't siding with Matt Gates. I had my own reasons. Now, she's getting the brunt of it because folks can't understand why she did side with Matt Gates. But either way, uh, did you, do you think that Gates and that crew did the right thing? Do you think we're better off, worse off? Your opinion.
14: I think, honestly, I think a government shutdown would have been good. And here's my explanation for this. When I go back to the Trump administration, I think about probably... 40 of the most productive days of the administration, it was when the f- federal government was shut down at the beginning of 2019. It was the very end of 2018, around Christmas of 2018, for January of 2019. And what happened was the Trump administration got so much done because you weren't pushing against all of these unelected... Well, uh,
7: well, we'll stop right there. See, that's the difference. Yes. That's the difference. See, when Trump was in power, you could afford to shut down the government because Trump was going to make sure it was going to get
14: better you can't take that chance right now who has that who has the house of representatives though so the thing the thing about it is you're actually just taking probably 90 percent of the democratic apparatus in washington dc and taking them out they legally cannot come into their jobs if the government is shut down so i understand what you're talking about but you're giving that 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 many more people that cannot actually come on in and push that so you're right it's not changing power for the executive branch. But because Congress has the House, what it does is it slows that momentum. And it also, by the way, it sends a very clear message that we need to get a balanced budget at some point over here. Everybody focuses on the Ukraine funding, and I understand why they focus on it. But let's be honest. It really is a drop in the bucket. When you're talking about 10 20 even $50 billion with a federal budget that each year is racking up a $1.5 trillion deficit – You really are talking about a drop in the bucket. It seems like a lot, but you got to remember, the budget in general is so much bigger. As John Katsimatidis, I can bet you he has not run one successful business where he's at a $1.5 trillion deficit. Now, you might say, and you and I had this conversation a little bit yesterday, so I'm kind of know where your mind is on this. Well, Trump added so much to this deficit. And what I had said was, look, so much of this is COVID-related. Now, he did add a little bit before that. You got to remember that was when Pelosi had the House and there was a government shutdown and they did need to have a compromise in order to do that. So really, all of the budget deficit that Trump ended up adding, aside from the interest which was added from prior presidents, was because of COVID and because of one negotiation to get the government running again. So I really think the government shutdown was necessary. And I think that's what Gates is saying, like saying, look, If we're not going to see massive spending cuts, which we may not, because, look, Democrats have the Senate. Obviously, Democrats have the executive branch. I'm not going to say Biden does because we know his faculties aren't there, as we covered before. But Democrats have the executive branch. He wants to see massive spending cuts. or guess what? We're shutting it down. And I can't blame him at all, because if anybody thinks that Washington, D.C. is working, to go full circle back to what Manchin and Cuomo said, that Washington, D.C. is working for Americans. Just go ask those everyday Americans that are out in your street and see how they're doing. See how their life is. See if Washington, D.C. is actually serving them or is self-serving. They'll give you the answer.
7: You're awesome. You are such a smart kid. Where do you get that from, you think?
14: I don't know. I really, I really just hope that Grace got more of the intelligence than I did because I think I just got a drop between Donna and Rudy. I think I just got a drop of there. And <laughs> all. So I hope real, the real intelligence skipped a generation and Grace. Those
7: are two very smart people. Hey, it was great seeing you yesterday. You look great too. And uh, congratulations on your podcast, your show. And we certainly love you on this show every Friday, Andrew Giuliani. have a great weekend. Thank you so much.
14: Uh, thank you so much, Sid. We'll talk to you next week.
7: My man, Andrew Giuliani. I'm going to beat him in golf one day. I'm going to kick his ass. What are you looking at? You know why I shot at 90 last summer?
1: No, you didn't.
7: No. I did? No, you didn't. That was uh, the... after the ninth hole, then I quit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hour three coming at you.
3: Mayor Adams is in Mexico on his mission to try to discourage migrants from coming to New York. There's major action from the White House on the asylum seeker crisis. The White House says it's restarting direct deportations of Venezuelan migrants who enter unlawfully back to their home country. And also in a stunning reversal from President Biden, he's waiving 26 different laws and regulations to do what he vowed he would never do, build a section of border wall. We are still looking through exactly what this means. Mayor Adams in Mexico, on his first day of a South American visit, reacting to a major about-face from the White House, candidate Joe Biden made this promise in 2020. There will not be another foot of wall constructed on my administration. The president said that while he didn't want to build a wall, he has no choice because of a law Congress passed in 2019. They have to use money for what is appropriate. I can't stop that.
15: Do
5: you believe
3: the border wall works? No.
4: Federal law enforcement say there was a drug bust that went down in the Bronx. Law enforcement sources say it appears fake prescription pills laced with fentanyl were being made. Federal agents in bulletproof vests, hazmat suits, and gas masks raided this Bronx home on Beaumont Avenue in Belmont next to a school where a drug-free school zone sign is posted. Inside the home, law enforcement sources say were at least four pill press machines being used to make fake prescription pills laced with fentanyl. According to the DEA, seven out of ten fake pills have a lethal dose.
5: We remember the life of Dick Butkus. Fearless and ferocious. Intimidating and impactful. Many words to describe the greatness of the Hall of Famer, Dick Butkus. But perhaps the best is legendary. And Dick Butkus' legacy remembered today as news of his death spread across the empire. Dick Butkus passed away at the age of 80.
6: I want everybody to know the importance of today, and you know, Bernie was uh, his funeral was held at St. Patrick's Cathedral. You got to be you got to be a very uh, prominent citizen to get your funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral. So I thought the appropriate thing to do today was, as county executive, by the power vested in me, today, throughout all of Nassau County, I am going to proclaim this to be Bernie McGurk Day in Nassau County. The road is long
7: Heavy. He's my brother. Goes out to my dear friend in heaven, Bernard McGurk. And what a great job there yesterday. That was just a... Uh, I know we did this about two hours ago. I'm doing it again. Just a spectacular program yesterday. And all you guys played a part in it. All of you. Six hours of the Bernie Remembrance Show. And everybody that stopped by. I know Jill Vitale was mad. I'm sorry, Flirty Flipper. But... We didn't. Um, we didn't want to make this yesterday what it was a year ago. We wanted yesterday to be more celebratory, so we did bring on people like Warner Wolf and Connell McShane and Mike Breen and Pete Morgan, Joe Abood, Corey Zelnick, and others. So I'm sorry because I know Jill, of course, somebody loved you and you loved him, and um, Gunzelman, I think was upset. But we, we, listen, we did what we did. It was a great show, and right there you heard from Bruce Blakeman, the Nassau County Executive who just unbelievably yesterday proclaimed Nassau County Bernie McGurk Day. Now, I'm going to call Bruce today, and I'm going to ask him to take it a step further. And he'll do it for me, I guess. I mean, maybe he can't because he has he's not going to be in office the rest of his life. But at least while he's in office, I'd like to make October 5th every year Bernie McGurk Day, not just yesterday on the one-year commemoration. Of his passing. So I'm going to call the Nassau County Executive today and see if we can make October 5th Bernie McGurk Day every year. He also said that he was efforting his office to name a street after Bernard as the streets got closer to the beach because Bernie loved the beach. So what a job by Bruce Blakeman. Hey, I'll get Curtis in here for a second. So Bruce, of course, is the Nassau County Executive. And it turns out that I just found out through John Katz-Matidis that Ed Romaine, who happens to be Brookhaven Town's 70th supervisor, has um, he's now going to run for the Suffolk County executive on the right-hand side. And I believe that Steve Ballone still has that job and covering that Gilco case and learning so much, which I knew nothing about. Nothing about. Suffolk County and all of the corruption that took place with Burke and all those guys all those years. And if I remember correctly, if I'm wrong, Curtis will correct me, Ballone had his hands in all of it. And yet this guy is still serving 11 years later. Thank God he's out. There'll be a new there'll be a new executive Republican or Democrat. He's out. But. Was Malone not buddies with Burke? Was he not involved in all that nonsense?
12: He was not only just buddies with Burke. When Burke was a sergeant with the Suffolk County uh, Police Department, he was caught with hookers and uh, marked cars, uh, having sex in precincts. Malone uh, knew all about this uh, drugs, the whole nine yards. And he elevated him to police chief. Uh, that's a number two guy. He wasn't the police commissioner, but he was a number two guy, the shot caller. And then he was asked later on, why would you elevate a guy who was committing crimes in a police uniform in a marked police car uh in precincts? Why would you elevate him the police chief? And he never gave an answer, but years later in a podcast, he I knew he was a sociopath. And the podcaster said, well, "What the hell do you make him police right. chief for? So You know what this was? Uh Malone was in that gated community in Gilgo Peach. Do we know that for a fact? You're talking about Oak Peach. Well, the girls Correct. The yeah. elect- elected officials were there, top-ranking cops. Nobody has suggested that Steve Malone wasn't there. Okay. So So if he's going to put Burke in that position. Cover up. And cover him up, right, there's got to be something there. right? And right. Kick, kick the FBI out of the investigation. Right. That we know is true. Right. So Malone now. Because uh, Ray Tierney even kind of admitted that right here on this show. Right, but you know what? Malone is actually planning to run for higher office. He's been raising money. To run for what? Well, it's just like Cuomo out there in Suffolk County. It must be something in the aquifer. <laughs> yeah. You know, they think that they're going to be able to run again. Um, well, they are going to run again. This guy is finished. It, wherever he goes, I'm telling you he's got the scarlet letter. I will haunt him Good. until the ends of time. Do you know this guy, Ed Romaine? Yes. Uh, what Eddie. do you know about Eddie? Good. Good man. Good man. Law and order. He'll no. definitely work with the new district attorney, Ray Tierney. And, uh,
7: well, we'll yes, the to win first. Yeah. Right he's ahead. running against, uh, the, what's the name of this Democrat he's running against? Does anybody know? Uh, Bologna Jr., is that no, his name? it's not Bologna Jr. Might as well. It's a clone No, of it's, it's a guy named David Cologne, not Bologna. Yes. Colon. A person. And he's a former federal prosecutor and businessman who has never held me, elected uh, office. Let me ask you, we were talking about this yesterday. Yeah. Who
12: is the former federal prosecutor? that Bernard McGurk would curse every day when he would come on the air uh, because he was responsible for writing the no-cash bill. Funny you
7: bring that guy up because that's part of the reason why our dear friend Laura Curran lost to Bruce Blakeman, who I think is a tremendous executive because of the guy you're talking about, and his name is Todd Kaminsky. That's right. Don't be fooled by the fact that somebody's a former
12: federal prosecutor like their law and order. Do you know that uh, former Mayor Lightfoot, lightweight, remember, Beetlejuice in uh, Chicago? She's a former federal prosecutor. No, she wasn't. Yes, she was. Do not be fooled by the fact that somebody says that they're a federal prosecutor, as if that implies that they're law and order. Just look at Scott Kaminsky, who was the state senator who wrote the legislation, amended the legislation, and basically destroyed our state. And now he can't
7: get a job hanging wallpaper. All of them federal prosecutors. Oh, well. So you got to go with Romaine. Uh, Jen Harrison is texting me. I love her. You love her too. Victims' rights. Yes, absolutely. Shirley Long Island, Suffolk County. She's talking about Tim Sini in the DA's office. She's saying that, uh, obviously without Ray Tuny, they never would have, uh, gotten this Gilgo case done. But I guess there's some connection, uh, to Tim Sini and Balone. I, I don't know. I'm not out in Suffolk County. I just know that I heard all these horrible things about Bologna and Burke. And now that, uh, the election is coming, I'm going to have Ed mean join me at yeah, 9.30 I, I, this I morning. But well, I needed your blessing. Yeah, I, I
12: think this is the problem in Suffolk. Uh Nassau, everyone has piped water, pipe sewage. Suffolk County, they still use cesspools, and then there's no, an aquifer. They don't. Yes, they do. So much of a percentage of Suffolk has cesspools, and then they get their oh, water I, I from an aquifer down in a well. And you know it mixes up. So not only is it a cancer zone, but it obviously leads to corruptive practices. As we recently saw the former police chief as he was at the Vietnam War Memorial uh, uh, a Monument soliciting sex because he wanted to orally fixate an undercover cop. That's all true. Yes. By the way, wasn't that Peter King's friend or did he disassociate himself? No, I don't him? like him anymore. I hope. Don't,
7: don't worry about Peter King. I hope not. Keep my friend's name out of your mouth. Right,
12: but Suffolk County is the most corrupt county in New York State. You even have elected officials there who say so. So they need to clean house. They need to completely clean house, the Democrats and Republicans. It's uh, their synergy there. Remember, the owner of uh, your favorite place, Ohika Castle, there was shot right in the head on video, and Burke. Never resolved that case.
7: Never did, did. Never did. It's a nice place. I was very hot that day. I was annoyed that day. It was a Big Daddy's Golf Classic. And he promised me uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And I spoke to some girl who worked at CNN, I think. That was it. Uh, Jen Harrison checks in and she says, we're getting sewers installed right now. It's actually a huge pain in the ass getting around Shirley Long Island. Well, how about that? Yeah, surely. But not everywhere
12: else in Suffolk. I'm telling you, ask people when you visit no, no, them. No, no, no. Here's what we're going to do. Uh,
7: at 930, when Ed Romaine comes on, yes, yes. you're going to join me on the interview. Excellent. And you can ask him about 2d and uh, sewers. Uh, and... I want to know about the cesspools. I want to know about
12: sump holes. I want to know about aquifers. No. There you and go. why we don't have pipe sewage and pipe water in this modern civilization in Suffolk County. Who got paid off not to do that? Follow the money, the contracts, and the kickbacks. All
7: right, 9.30, you're with me. Me and you talking to Ed Romain about cesspools. You don't want to miss that, folks. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever clear out a cesspool? I did with my Uncle Steve in Old no, Howard Beach. No, clear out a cesspool. Oh, it's nasty. I, I got to tell you, there was one day last week, and uh, I made a duty, and uh, it wouldn't go down, you know. And and uh, I, I, I couldn't find a plunger. I was, I was freaking out because I knew if Danielle got home and saw or smelled it, I'd be in big trouble. So uh, eventually I had to text her. And I said, uh and of course I got yelled at for an hour. Why do you use so much toilet? Why is it always you? I never stopped the toilet, the kids never stop the toilet. I go, I don't know. What do you want me to do? Well, that's because you use the baby wipes. You know, <laughs> yeah. you have a very well, sensitive No, you're head.
12: right about that. I do. You shouldn't. And they seem to be thicker. That's clog clogs up the shoes. I know, By but the way, there's
7: aloe on those things. When it
12: comes to plumbing, Mr. Jew, Mr. Mister Mashiach, would you stay away from plumbing issues? You <laughs> failed the first time. What did Jews know about
7: plumbing? <laughs> right. I don't Other know than anything. internal plumbing. Oh, I got ileitis. I got Listen, colitis. I got Crohn's disease. I got a plumber, Lenny uh Chiazza, across the yeah. street i got a fireman next door. i got an MG electrician right? down the block. Right. Yeah. Jews know nothing about plumbing
12: other than the plumbing inside where they say, oh, yeah,
7: Which is not doing all that well <laughs> right. Exactly, exactly. But at one point, Danielle goes, what are you going to do when the snow comes? I'm going to make a bone But you tell
12: Danielle we haven't had snow <laughs> in years?
7: <laughs> are you nuts. We get rain now. I know. It's all rain. It's no snow. Well, I've got an issue with the rain because, uh, thank God for Gunnar Ruping, and I mean this, they did such a great job at my roof, nothing leaked, but my second-floor deck leaked. Uh, can I ask you a question? They were not Jews either, right?
12: You, <laughs> you didn't, didn't hire Jews <laughs> to fix your deck or your roof. <laughs> Jews are good at certain things. Yeah. Not with a hammer, a bag of nails, and a, a wrench,
7: or any kind of construction equipment. It's just not in your DNA. All true. But again, you buy me the next Jewish homeless person. i tell
12: you what, uh, let me tell you, you know why it's not in your DNA? When they forced you to build the pyramids, right? right? Before Charlton Heston caused your escape from Yul Brenner. Jews <laughs> after that said, we're never going to build anything <laughs> except a sukkah hut. A, sukkah hut yeah. a Sukkot
7: hut. Oh, my God. The ferry has been inundated with the uh, Orthodox and Hasidim and yeah. my people. I love them. I love them. Yeah, I was on the ferry last night. Oh, my God. Island? There's like
12: thousands they of love, them. They love it over there. Yeah. It, and by the way, I am suggesting if you're a righteous Jew, right, if you really believe in Hashem and Hashem's word, that you got to be a double mensch, turn your Sukkot
7: hut over to a homeless migrant. people and Good illegal idea. aliens. It's not a bad idea. Seriously. Right? Come on, Jews. I mean, your we'll finish yeah. the holiday first. I mean, most Jews stop observing Sukkot today, some wait till Sunday, but Monday morning? How the migrants? come You got the shack up there, right? (laughs) You got the palm tree leaves on the top. uh, It's actually brilliant. Get those hiking on the phone.
12: I want every Every sukkot Sukkot hut in Cedarhurst.
7: Let the mayor declare every sukkot hut in the city must house (laughs) illegal aliens, gentile illegal aliens. That's hilarious. All right, we'll take a short break. We'll uh, we got a lot more to do. Joe Tacopina, Larry Trump, Ed Romaine, and more. The Friday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning. Good job, Curtis. It's a long,
1: long road
2: talk radio 77 wabc this is sit in friends in the morning 77 wabc
7: Joe Tacopina is going to join us momentarily. Then we'll talk to Lara Trump, president's daughter-in-law. Then I want to tell you about the big Julio event going on leading up to Columbus Day on Monday. But we do put this time aside on Fridays to talk to my good buddy Ricky Gold from Juice Reels. And uh, Juice Reels, of course, is uh, the app that I use. And lots of you, too, the numbers are coming back big here. very big. Um, and they, um, they give you all the info you need to win... Your bet's on the football, although I don't know anybody, anybody, who didn't lose last night. Now, if you're smart, you took the over, 44-and-a-half, because the Bears can't stop anybody. And ironically, they were the team that scored last night. So if you took the over, you're fine. But if you did what everybody else did and laid the points with Washington, you got murdered. On a day where Dick Butkus dies, maybe the greatest Chicago Bear ever, that includes Walter Payton. The Bears win by 20 as a near-touchdown underdog during a winless season in Washington, Ricky. Well, how about that?
16: Yeah, I wish I was on the uh, the money line, but what a
7: game last night for the Bears. Oh, yeah, they must have been a huge money line uh, underdog, yes. So tell me about this. Uh, juice Reels, again, is uh, J-U-I-C-E Reels, like movie reels, R-E-E-L-S. Uh tell me about uh, arbitrage. I know you can you can make money with arbitrage basically risk free. Tell me about that. So arbitrage
16: is one of the features in the Juice Reel app and you know what arbitrage is is that's exactly right. It's a way to make free money in sports betting. And you know listening to your show uh, for a while uh politics aside, recent administrations aside, all your listeners, you know love American values and arbitrage is really founded in a core American pillar. It's uh, you know, it only exists because of consumer choice and a free market. And so what arbitrage is, is it's pairing sports books against each other so that you can make free money. And every sports better knows that, you know, the odds are a little bit different at DraftKings, a little bit different at FanDuel, a little bit different at Caesars and how arbitrage works is, uh, it let's look at an example where it, there's a bet. Uh, will there be a home run in the Phillies game? The answer is either yes or no. And by finding times where, let's say, uh, the VIG is plus 110 for, yes, there will be a home run at DraftKings, and also plus 110, no, there won't be a home run at FanDuel, that that offers an ability where you can automatically make money. You could bet $10 to win $11 at yes, and there, you could also bet $10 to win $11 yeah. on no.
7: That sounds like, um, I think I pluralized juice wheels. I'm sorry, juice wheel. Um, sounds a lot like a lot of my guys who have more than one bookmaker because they want to catch a middle. You've had that. You got one guy gives you three and a half. One guy gives you four and a half. And if it falls on four.
16: Oh baby, (laughs) exactly, exactly. And so what what we what we show you is exact. We find all we scan through the you know tens of thousands of betting opportunities that are out there, find the exact bets that you can automatically make money on. Tell you what to risk at each side, at which book, and no matter what happens, you know there's either going to be a home run in the Phillies game or there's not, and you're automatically going to make a little bit of money.
8: Well, you
7: make that bet before the game. What if I know, for example, Bryce Harper is coming up that inning, or yeah, and obviously the the odds have to be a lot uh, not in your favor. Uh, yeah, oh, for sure. Right. You
16: know, it's not always plus one ten, plus one ten. Right. Sometimes it change. Uh, uh, you, well, you know, that's live betting. I that's live betting. Right. You know, this is right. point
7: in time before the gotcha. game, gotcha. Uh, and,
16: and yeah. you can snipe those opportunities and and automatically make some money.
7: You know, next week I'm going to ask you to keep me updated every week on Trump Biden. I'm, I'm interested mean, in that. Yeah, The, the, odds, <laughs> can, well, the most, odds on that? Well, most uh, most sites will allow you to bet that. So. I'm just in that, Trump Biden. Uh, let's get to uh, four games coming up this weekend. Two surreal folks. Check it out. We'll start with uh, a huge college matchup. Texas taking on Oklahoma. This, uh, this quarterback at Texas, Quinn, yours is unbelievable. But Oklahoma scores a lot of points, too. Right now, Texas is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Number three team in the country. What do you see?
16: Yeah, so uh more of the best bettors are taking Texas and uh, some of the worst bettors are taking Oklahoma. So th- our our data showing uh at this point in time take
7: Texas. Take Texas. Uh Georgia's number one team in the country. They have not covered yet. I mean, they they some some they barely win these games. It's shocking. And they're taking on a Kentucky team that's pretty good. Uh I think Kentucky's 20, Georgia's 1. And Georgia again is like a two touchdown favorite. I don't get it. I can tell you right now, I love Kentucky. What does Juiceville say?
16: Juiceville's saying uh, uh, same. Uh, the best betters are taking uh, Kentucky, and they some are. of the worst betters are taking yeah. Georgia.
7: Yeah, people are falling into that trap. They're number one. They can't. Their offense is terrible. Their yeah. quarterback is not nearly the same guy that won the championship last year. They're shockingly bad. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I'll, I'll lay points for Caleb Williams at USC every week. Heck, I know Tacopina's on hold. Even Van Dyke with Miami—they have Georgia Tech tomorrow, but not uh, not Georgia. Uh, the two locals coming up on Sunday—the Giants, who I think may be the worst team in football. <laughs> no, I mean I mean that—they have nobody on that team. Darius Slayton isn't scaring anybody. No Barkley, they're awful. Bad offensive line. They're injured anyway. And a defense that does nothing. The Giants are getting 11.5 against the Juggernaut Dolphins. I know the Dolphins lost to Buffalo last week, but they're 3 and 1. They scored 70 against Denver two weeks ago. I got to like Miami minus the points. What about Juice Wheel?
16: Real? Juice Wheel is saying to take the under. Uh, you know, Miami's been scoring a ton of points. Maybe that comes to an end. Uh, the under 47.5 uh,
7: is where the smart money's looking right now. Miami can't stop anybody. The Giants will find a way to get 20. Yeah. Miami's gonna score 40. Yeah, I, don't, I don't see it. Uh, Jets, they're one in three, but at least they're respectable. They almost beat the Chiefs last week. They're getting two and a half in Denver against a really bad Bronco team that should be winless, but Justin Fields made some mistakes and they came back to beat the Bears last week. One and three Jets against Sean Payton's one and three Broncos, and the Jets are getting two and a half. My,
16: I'm thinking that the Broncos find this game as a, as a turnaround game for them, but the data is leaning towards
7: the Jets. Jets. Fred. Yeah, they're going to make Russell Wilson's life miserable on Sunday. I think the Jets. That's, that's what and, the smart betters are thinking. Zach Wilson played better last. We got agree with that. All right. So, uh, Juice <laughs> Wheel—that's the app—and uh, we got four winners here today, right? Of course. <laughs> yeah, Ricky Gold. <laughs> thank Good you luck. so much. Great job, Ricky's with us uh, every Monday and Friday. Juice Wheel, folks, download that app today and uh, start winning games this weekend.
2: Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy, this. Is sit in friends in the morning.
1: Friends, how
2: many of us have friends? 77 WAPC.
7: Kotakapina is not just the best defense attorney in the world, in the world, mind you. Very sexy guy, too. But now he doesn't realize this. But I'm going to break some news this morning. Joe Tacapina has also become the unofficial executive producer. Sorry, Justin. for sitting friends in the morning because two of the biggest names we've had on this show in the last couple of months, one Alex Rodriguez a couple of days ago and one you may have heard of, President Trump, We're both here because of Takapina, so That's okay. Can I go home now? <laughs> yeah. You oh, okay. So you guys, uh, I don't know. Well, oh, you do a lot of other good stuff, though. Like, oh, you book you book Dick Morris. I thought I was off the hook. You book Dick Morris, oh. and you book um.
10: God, I thought I caught a break, break, man. Michael Goodwin and yeah. Alan
7: Dershowitz. You book a lot of good guys.
10: That's fine. I just uh, I just thought I could.
7: But not as with. good as Tacopino on me. So. But you do other things. While well, you cut all the sound, mm-hmm. you do the sports. Mm-hmm. You know my voice when I'm not there. You're you're an excellent producer, but you don't have the contacts Tak has. No, no, no. You're just, as I once called one of our interns, whale scum.
10: <laughs>
7: okay. And is a big star.
10: Alright, so I have to, just, I have to stay just to clarify. You have to stay. Okay.
7: Yes, I'm sorry. Damn it. Because I do love you. I need, I need you. Right, I, love you I need you. <laughs> you
10: make me whole. Okay, let's go, uh, let's get okay. to right.
7: Takapina, how are you, buddy? <laughs> wow.
1: You guys are right over there.
7: Well it's true, you know, the first five minutes A Rod was on, we were talking about you and and I said, Yeah, you know, you Takapina and and uh and Trump and he goes, He has a lot of really good contacts. <laughs> but the truth yeah. is the truth is all of these people and this is a testament to the attorney you are, all of these people that are now your friends and they love you, they love you. At some point the relationship started because you defended them,
17: right? Well, yeah, exactly. But Sid, that's how I think I become effective as a lawyer. I take it very personally when I represent someone. You know. I mean I really, you know, I, I I treat them as family. Um, and and when I do that, I take it personally, and they see me fighting in a different way. I'm not just a uh, lawyer, you know, on the clock, uh, mailing it in, so to speak. They, you know, what's funny, about what, know mean, what's funny and, about what
7: you're saying? You know, what's funny and about you saying
17: that's important.
7: No, yeah. no. I know. I and and I used to fight with Daniel. I swear to God, it's so funny you're saying this because. There were days she'd be upset or, or uh, downright depressed over one of her clients, and I'd be like, "No, no, Danielle, when you're in that firm in that office Monday through Friday, I get it. But it's Saturday." She goes, "No, you don't get it. You don't get it. It doesn't just go away. Kind of like I guess if a doctor loses a patient on Saturday morning, yep. you know. You, and you're what you're doing right now is giving credence to everything she has said over the years."
17: it's true. Like when A-Rod and I had our tech to tete with Major League Baseball and they were doing some of the dirtiest things I've ever seen and, and, you know, using the press. I mean, he was treated as if he had murdered 15 people in New York City. I mean, literally <laughs> he was public enemy number one. He took some steroids, by the way, like, like half Major League Baseball were taken at the time. Right. Um, and, and that but he was treated like he was public enemy number one. And I just couldn't I, I got so upset by that and I thought it was just so unfair that I went to war and of course that then I became you know <laughs> a target to take bullets also and that's fine because I'll get in the way of bullets for my clients. I will just part of how I do it. And I think it's what gives me an edge and what makes me effective. Even with, with president Trump, you know, when people were attacking him, I'd go out there on the limb and say some things that, you know, got me attacked and, you know, get my, my, my weekly death threat from some lunatic in their mom's basement in their underwear, you know, and and it was fine, but that's just how it has to be for me, for me. There are other lawyers that could sort of, you know, be very, uh, I don't know. Um, Methodical and, and not very um, emotional about it, but I have to have a mix of both. I have to believe yeah. in what I'm doing to be effective. Otherwise, I'm very pedestrian.
13: No,
7: because, um, because you've, actually, you've actually you've uh, actually kind of cut my head off once or twice, which very rarely happens because we love each other so much. But I, in fact, I remember I was telling you I got a uh, press conference coming up later on today, and I'm going to Chance Terry's restaurant. Chaz of course, is one of the guys. One of the reasons why Columbus Day is still here is because of the work that Chaz and me and others and author, have done over the years to make sure that's the case. But Chaz has told me on more than one occasion that he will never, ever, ever again talk to Lilo Broncado, who played Little C in his great movie, A Bronx Tale. And you represented Lilo. And I told you that. And, um, and I said, well, maybe I shouldn't either. And you're like, no, no, no. What you, you don't know him. You don't know him, when you defended
17: your client. Yeah, Lilo. I mean that, and right, we got. And this is off the air. This wasn't like for the audience. This was being you going at it because I love Lilo, and Lilo is a, is a really a beautiful person. And if you see who he's become, look, he made mistakes. A Rod made mistakes. A Rod, by the way, the other day, I called him after your segment. I could not have been more impressed with a human being, <laughs> the way he handled himself with you. He sounded like, like honestly, like. Presidential material. That's he
7: did. How good he, he did.
13: was.
17: Yep. But right, motivational yep. speaker. You actually said that. Yes. But the way he even just embraced what he had done wrong and said, "Look, if I don't make the whole thing. that's on me. That's on me." No, he wasn't whining and complaining. But what he has done, he hit, he hit that rock bottom, so to speak, and he's you know risen like the phoenix. I mean, and that's what Lilo did. Lilo went through this horrible thing where he you know had a real difficult time with drugs. was addicted and into disease. And couldn't control himself. Fortunately, I was able to get him out of a life sentence of a murder case when he was acquitted in that in that horrific horrific incident. Um, but 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 he wasn't responsible, by the way. But you know, he then had to put his life back together, and he's done a spectacular job. Yeah, I mean, and he, it, so, you know what. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I, I don't agree with those who say, I'll never talk to him again. Okay, he should be disappointed. But look what he's doing to try and make amends, to be to be better. And he, Leo I, yeah. is a great example.
7: Of I that. agree with that. I, I, I have to tell you, I agree with that. words, um, well, you know, you, along the way. Me too. Yeah, me too, sure. Leo,
17: well, you. you've become, honestly, I could not be more proud of anyone in the name of you. You've become, seriously, the pinnacle of New York radio. The police commissioner and I were talking about this. Eddie and I were talking about this the other day. He was on your show. He called me, we talked and said, he said, I cannot believe how many people called me because I was on the show. Look at you now and and, and look where you were, you know, when you hit that rock bottom. We've all been there, but you, the way you've overcome it and said, you're legitimately, legitimately one of the most influential voices in this city now. And that's, you know, it says a lot. That's not easy. This is York city. This isn't, uh, you know. Some little middle America village here. This is New York City, and and what you've done here is phenomenal. So wow, these, these these stories where people you know are great—they deal with tough times, they have problems, but then they're able to pull themselves out of it. That's the true character of an individual. That's when you mark someone as a winner. Not you know, it's it's easy to criticize people when they have tough times and then when they fall, but you know, um, it, it, it's really to me, it's 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 the man who who sort of stumbles and then is able to get back up and do it again and, and recreate themselves. That's the one, you know, who, who shows really what, what a great triumph is and what really a great person is. And and so, you know, you're in that in that mold, for sure. sure thank you. Hello, Alex, and it's amazing. It really is. Well, thank you. Thank you for saying all
7: that. I don't know if I deserve all that, but coming from you, it means an awful lot, because I love you, and and uh, you are, uh, you talk about big voices in New York and big uh, big guys in New York, and you are certainly at the very, very, very top of your field. So thank you for those kind words. By the way, it was funny that uh, the police commissioner, Eddie and uh, A-Rod, they're both on the same hour. It was Hispanic Heritage Day, and they're both examples of great Latino men, We're going to have to do some some amazing things. Now, you did, and thank you again, Joe. You did mention Donald Trump. Uh, He was here three days this week. Letitia James, unbelievably, has found a way to make herself the victim. I'm not going to get bullied. The Donald Trump show is over. And then she had the balls to say it's nothing personal. Well, my friend Greg Kelly did a very good job yesterday of playing about three straight minutes of... uh, uh, Letitia James in the streets, basically saying "Go kill Trump." Basically, I mean, she fell just short of that, but just short of that. <laughs> yeah. These three days, yeah, I mean, yeah, Joseph, yeah. come on, man,
17: it's a joke. I mean, it's a joke. What she? It, it, people are just look. If if you could do something to Trump, if you could go against Trump, you become a hero in, in people, certain people's eyes, and she's in that in that category. But if you look at what she's done, it's it's really it, it's 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 For for our system of law and and for our rule of law in this country, it's really bad. I mean, what what Greg Kelly did, and and I didn't see it, but I heard about it, was that, you know, citing clips where before she was ever elected, she said she was going to get Trump. I then say, pause for a second. Let that swivel around your head for a second. Think of what she just said. Before she was an elected official, before she had access to evidence by way of subpoena, she already knew she was going to get Trump. How do you know that before you look at the evidence? And so it was. It was here's the here's the conclusion first. Now let's go find the evidence to back it in. And at the end of the day, look, there are, the person has a lot of cases to deal with, obviously, right? And he's got some <laughs> some some tough battles ahead. Um, but but this case this case is 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 one that really is never ever should have been brought. It's so I don't even think the judge really understands the ramifications of his rulings or the factual statements he's making and how off they are. Uh, Look, forget about, you know, whose valuations. There's one thing I have to say. The front page of every assessment that was put in, every appraisal to Deutsche Bank, the lender who, by the way, made a ton of money in this and never felt aggrieved and never complained. um, it, It said, this is our real estate appraisal. This is not an audited financial. Please do your own. And then they did their own with Cushman Wakefield, and they matched the appraisals of, of the Trump organization. So I just I just have to say mm-hmm. at that point right there, the case should we shouldn't be talking about a case. Right. But, but, you know, unfortunately, sometimes justice is blind when it comes to wanting to get um, individuals. And certainly President Trump falls in that category right now.
13: Boy,
7: uh, justice is personal in this case. Uh, I got about 60 seconds to go. And you were talking about influential people moments ago. And again, thank you for the kind words, but I'm not nearly as influential as you are. But, but, I'll tell you what, I am the one Jew that Angelo Vivolo every year makes sure is front and center at the Columbus Day Parade so Piscopo and Bartiromo can say, hey, that's Sid from WABC." for the third straight year on monday i'll be in a convertible cadillac as a part of the uh, the whole parade which is a huge honor but uh, you're a great italian and you share a lot of the same values as Vivolo, in that he doesn't like it when italians are stereotyped as mobsters and in all those right. things and and i don't think i've seen i know you work a lot of hours but have you been there the last couple of years
17: see i you know i don't know the people you know in the italian community so i'm like in the like the Fifth Avenue line, about 45 people deep, trying to wave at you, but you never see me. Oh, my so God. I'm like one of those I've never been part of that. I, I've never been invited to that. so here's a deal.
7: I'm not
5: born
17: enough in the Italian American. Here's the deal. a deal.
7: Yeah. Are, are you working yeah. Monday?
17: I'm heading to D.C. for a trial, but I'm around. Okay,
7: so here's the deal. So the last couple of years, I've had somebody sit in that Cadillac with me, Okay. Uh, This year, for the first time in three years, it's a big caddy, I have no one sitting there. So what I would like to do right now is to invite you to sit with me in this convertible Cadillac and be a part of the parade on Monday for Columbus Day because I could not think of a more deserved Italian-American
17: than you. Do you accept? Wow, brother, you're going to be goosebumps. I accept, but is it like the Pope mobile? Does it have the bulletproof? No, windows, no, or do we just, are we just out there for us diapers?
7: No, no, we are sitting ducks. Sitting
17: ducks. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Whatever. Whatever. Would be, be the first death risk I've taken in my life, so why not? <laughs> right,
7: come on, you kidding me? All right, good. So you'll meet me on the corner of like 47th or something at about uh, 1030 on uh, Monday morning. I'll be in touch over the weekend with more details, but the invitation is real. I love you. Thank you for a great appearance this morning and all you do, Joseph. Thank you. Okay, my brother. Thank you so much. I love you. Joe Tacopina right there, folks. A lot more to do. Big 9 o'clock hour coming your way. Lara Trump talking about Donald Trump. His daughter-in-law, Lara, she's coming up. We're going to talk to, hopefully, the next Suffolk County Executive. Ed Romein's going to stop by at 9.30. And then... Talking about Columbus Day Monday, my buddies in Williamsburg, Nuns and Kono, and all the guys. The Brooklyn Gilio coming up. I believe this weekend. I'll have details on that too. Fourth and final hour coming up.
2: Talk Radio 77 W A B C. This is Sid and Friends in the morning. What you say he's just a friend. You my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi.
7: i just thinking, when well, my house was first damaged, of course, it was uh, the day after Christmas. I'll never forget that day. <laughs> Christmas Day this year. We were so excited. I just gone to Joe Murray's. You were there too, Lou, that big, beautiful Huge. celebration he puts on every year. For It's uh, juvenile diabetes, that's right. But he has autism, a whole bunch of uh, of uh, groups that show up. And this year, it will be our first with this proxy. Thank you, Joe Murray. And um, we were looking forward to Christmas and our new home, and Christmas Day was freezing, you know. And then the next day, um, Gabe tried to take a shower, and the water wasn't coming out. We said, oh, boy. And then everything burst, and my house was completely ruined, ruined. Thank God for Billy Felton, my next-door neighbor, the firefighter. He shut the water off eventually, but it was too late. And we had to leave. And you remember what last winter was like. I mean, the fact that we were number one all winter long, Considering that every week I was moving to a different place, I mean, it was just, it was hard, man. First, we lived in a hotel by the U.N., then we went home for a week, then we moved to a hotel, which I kind of liked, actually. On 33rd and Park, had that sports bar downstairs. I watched the playoffs with Kate Beckinsale's daughter.
8: Oh, that's when you almost got into the fight.
7: Yeah. Lily Sheen. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and then... um Hey, look, jerk up. Shut up. Shut up, stupid. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had to move to the apartment in Battery Park and it was just it was hard, man. But um but I remember the week that we stayed at the, the hotel at the uh the UN Hotel was Christmas and New Year's. And Ava was home for one week from college. And she was like, Well, let's make the best of it and do fun stuff. <laughs> I'm like, Well, what do you want to do? What's fun stuff? She's like, Well, I was thinking. Maybe times, oh, no, 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 So then, it's so weird how things work out. So this guy, Mike Butler, who's a hero cop, you've met him, Lewis, at the Brooklyn Rally with Curtis. Good guy. Great guy. He's also a PA. He's the guy that got me all the insurance money for my house and did a great job, Mike, and his partner. Great job. So he calls me, and he goes, listen, I know you're staying on 44th and 2nd, and it's going to be kind of rainy tonight, but if you want... I'm going to take you, uh, make sure you're all set up right by the ball drop for New Year's Eve. And I've lived in New York my whole life. Not only have I not done that, but I make fun of people that do. I'm like, who would go to that? (laughs) So there we were in our yellow ponchos, Danielle, Sydney, Ava, and Gabriel, for about an hour. Only for about an hour in the rain. But could you
8: have access to a bathroom?
7: No, but it was only an hour. we were there oh, for okay. yeah, because no, I know people yes. have to pee, and wear diapers, and all kinds of stuff. No,
8: people put devices. In oh, their I know pants that.
7: I know that. But so the reason why I tell that story that. is right before the the ball drop, the last band to perform that night in Times Square was. Oh, now we got it. Duran Duran. So you just played Duran Duran, and I oh, told that whole security story to get to Duran Duran because I was waiting for Larry Trump. <laughs>
8: <laughs> what a genius. I that's am a genius. genius. Yes. That's Isn't that unbelievable? Want, that's why you're tops.
7: That's why. But uh, now she's here. She is the president's daughter-in-law. She's my favorite Trump. She really is. I mean, Donald and her tied, you know. And she comes on every couple of weeks, and... Well, she's got stuff to do. I mean, you know, she's got a family. She does other shows. I don't know. Actually, what the hell was she doing? Lara? what, what happened? What happened? You, what were you doing? I'm just curious. Well, I,
15: thought, I thought I was calling in at 920. I'm so sorry. I, you caught me oh, off guard. And then I come on and I hear you talking about diapers. So I think you're talking about Joe Biden. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would never say something like that. That's funny.
7: That's good. And it could be. It could be Joe Biden in this case. Believe me, what a mess. We'll get to Joe Biden. Uh, I want to talk about uh, your father-in-law for a second you know, he has come out and said that if he has to, if Jordan doesn't get the votes, if Scalise doesn't get the votes, or and others, that if he has to for about three months, he'd be willing to serve as the next Speaker of the House because, of course, he's got his sights set on the bigger job, the presidency, which he's winning right now uh, easily. What do you think about that? Would you be in favor of your father-in-law serving as the Speaker until, um, until they get uh, somebody else and he runs for president?
15: Well, it's sort of amazing like to to actually legitimately think, and he really is, I believe, considering this as a viable option, something that he would truly consider, to think about all that this man is doing. He is running for president of the United States, which most people could never do just that. But then you look at everything else he's got going on, right? He's got all of these indictments. He's got this lunatic activist attorney general, Letitia James, who's got him in court. In New York, over this bogus nonsense. He's fighting on every possible front. And then the fact that he actually would potentially consider something like this, I think is incredible and just shows you how special a human being Donald Trump truly is. But look, the reality is, I think he wants to do what he thinks is going to help this country. And God knows if we got Donald Trump into the United States Congress in a position, a Speaker of the House, man, the Congress would be in ship shape. These people would be doing things that actually made a difference for the people of this country. So I think anywhere he knows he could be of service to this country, he would be willing to do it. Uh, that said, I do think he'd be more powerful as president. So if this is something that happens, I hope it's short term and then he gets back to the business at hand, which is becoming president and saving this country. Right.
7: So, uh, so were you okay with what happened to Kevin McCarthy earlier in the week?
15: You know, I don't love to see the Republicans at odds with one another. You know, the one thing I'll say about the Democrats, there's a whole lot you can say that's negative about them, but they typically stick together. And it actually does give them a lot of strength and a lot of power. So I don't love when we are not all on the same page as a party. The one thing I did like about it, and I think we need more of, was the fight and the fire. We need to start fighting harder as a party because – Man, if we don't, we're never going to win anything. You know, we've kind of always taken this backseat approach, which is we'll we'll just kind of be on the up and up. We won't get down in the mud with the Democrats because we know they play dirty sometimes. We've got to start playing dirty. And I did like to see that there is a little bit of fight okay. left in this Republican Party. So I hope we can take that and use it for positive.
7: I like what you just said. But the majority of people believe that this wasn't about the fight. It wasn't about to do good what it was was what it was was I should say, was basically a personal vendetta that Matt Gates had against McCarthy and somebody who was able to convince all these people, including my good friend Nancy Mace, to uh, come along. It was more of a personal vendetta than anything else. You don't believe that?
15: Well, I mean, I, you can actually, of course argue that point, and I understand that. But I think when you look at what hopefully will be the end result here. It will mean that going forward, maybe these people who are signing on to all of these omnibus bills that are costing the American taxpayers billions and now trillions of dollars, we actually know what's in them. Because whenever you can't actually say, I've read everything that's in this bill, I know where all the money is going, it is a little bit tough, I think, for the American people to swallow and say, well, these are the people that are supposed to represent me in the United States Congress, and they don't really know where all of our money is going. So hopefully the upside to it, per- perhaps it's a personal vendetta in some respect, but I think the people in this country really are frustrated with, you know, us sending all of this money overseas when, man, do we have major issues here? Could we not use that money to protect our southern border, to make our roadways better, to make our drinking water clean? You know, there are so many issues here at home. And so, Hopefully, that is something good to come out of this.
7: That is uh, all very, very fair. I just noticed for me, Lara, I'm a uh, majority guy, you know, and uh, I don't know many decisions that are made in this country where three or four percent decide and 96 percent, 96 Lara percent of Republicans said he's doing great. Uh, Whatever, doing great. He's doing good enough. 210 of 218 said he's doing good enough, yet eight dissidents And now he's out. I don't like those percentages.
15: I hear you. And I feel badly for Kevin McCarthy because, gosh, remember what a fight he had to even become speaker? I mean, that was bad enough. And now to have this happen, I do generally think he's a nice guy. I've always liked him on a personal level. So I hate to see that all that he has gone through. But, you know, we're at this point. We now have to pull ourselves back up, get it back together salvage this, and maybe we look back on this, like oftentimes happens with a lot in life, and say, you know what, that was a, it was a tough time, it was a messy time, but it was a step that maybe was positive in the long run, and so here we are, maybe we're going to get Donald Trump as Speaker of the House. Who
7: knows that would on? be unbelievable. So, um, <laughs> you know, you talk about personal vendettas, and maybe that's the case, maybe not with Gates and uh, McCarthy. It certainly is between them personally, but same thing with Letitia James, this crooked, racist Horrible attorney general who's not a good person. That's the bottom line. She's a liar, too. Uh, going up against your father-in-law. And I remember when uh, when the news broke, I texted you first because not only are you his daughter-in-law, but you're married to his son, Eric. And I was really sick to my stomach. And I mean this. You know, I'm being honest. I was sick to my stomach that also in this lawsuit is your husband, Eric, and your brother-in-law, Donald Jr., the family. I just... I just couldn't believe it. I had, and so I texted you and I said, I hope Eric is okay. I'll ask you the same question on air. Is Eric okay?
15: Oh, Eric's okay. I mean, look, it, it, all of it is wrong. And, and you're right. It is stomach turning because this is stuff that you see happen in communist countries. This is something that should never be happening here in America. When you actually step back away from this and you take a broad look at what is going on here, this is an activist. Uh, Attorney General Letitia James who ran a campaign on taking down Donald Trump forget about the people of the state of New York there are real crimes going on people are getting stabbed there is a homeless issue it is there there's so much crime that needs to be addressed yet this is where the Attorney General of the state of New York has focused herself because it's a campaign pledge that she has to fulfill to take down Donald Trump just like Fonnie Willis down in Georgia, just like Alvin Bragg, the district attorney in Manhattan. These are all people and you may as who are well And
7: you may as well add Jack Smith to that list as well.
15: Jack Smith in D.C. It's all a campaign promise, and it's all about politics. And when you look at this case, there was no injured party. No bank ever came back and said, you know what, we lost money. In fact, the, the loans were paid back. They were paid back on time. They made tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars off of these deals. There, there was no issue whatsoever. You have a, a crazy valuation of Mar-a-Lago at $18 million. And the important thing that people have to remember is when you sign these loan agreements, it states very clearly that there is due, due diligence on the part of these banks. They have a fiduciary responsibility to get their own valuations of these properties. Heck, I could go try to take out a loan now and say, yeah, My shack down the street is worth $10 billion. You can trust me on that. Sid, of course, we know that's not how it works. So this entire case is insane. And every person, by the way, involved testified that my husband, Eric, and my brother-in-law, Don, had absolutely nothing to do with anything. Yet, just to inflict maximum collateral damage, Letitia James included them in this. It is so sick. It is so communist. It is so third world. And, you know, obviously the, the goal is, is what they have all been. You got Biden's DOJ trying to throw my father-in-law in jail, the number one political opponent of Joe Biden. And simultaneously, you've got this district or attorney general, rather, who is trying to strip him of his life's work, dissolve his companies, ruin his family. They want him so badly to say, gosh, enough is really enough at this point. I don't need this. But they got the wrong one. He's never going to quit. He's going to continue on. He's going to be the forty seventh president.
7: No, I know he is, and you're right about that. Uh, uh, right now, Joe Biden and the DOJ and people like Tisha James, as great as your father in law is, you know, I love him. They're going to make sure he wins. Has nothing to do with your father in law. <laughs> they're going to make sure he wins. But I'm nervous. I mean, I, you know, this. this is, look, I don't know uh, if, uh, if Father in Law can win this because there's no jury, and the judge has already made up his mind. That's it. That's it. He's done. And James has as well. And it seems like it's it's going to hurt. I mean, we're talking about a possibility of a quarter of a billion dollar fine. Can't practice in New York. You know, Lara, every day I take the 4 and the 5 train at 42nd Street. And I get off at Wall Street. And I make about a six-block walk from Wall Street to the ferry. I live in, uh, in in Bell Harbor in Queens. And I walk past 40 Wall Street every day. And my son, when he was a baby, we lived on Hanover Square down by Wall Street. About three blocks away from that building, and we still use that pharmacy for his medication. The building, to me, is is a big deal, and it's it's his, your father in law's, you know. And the thought of his name yeah. not being there really upsets me. I I have to imagine, as brave as you are, and all you guys are, this is a little sad.
15: No, no it's terribly sad. It's yeah. it's sad for you know a name that is so iconic in New York a name that changed the really the skyline of New York City when you think about what Donald Trump has done to that city you could say that Donald Trump along with Rudy Giuliani could be credited with bringing back New York and really making it the place to be back in the late 80s and early 90s when really companies weren't sure that they wanted that to be their headquarters anymore he made that city a, a bit of what it is today and it's so sad to see what is ultimately trying to be done to him and the way they're trying to strip him of all of it. But I think the aspect of this, that really makes me the saddest is the human aspect. And, you know, there are thousands of Trump employees. These are people who some of them have worked for the company for decades. These are people who love their jobs. They love working for the Trump organization. It is a great company to work for. You can ask anyone who's ever been a part of it and they will tell you the same thing. And the fact that this one person, Leticia James, because she does have a political and a personal vendetta against one man, Donald Trump, one company, the Trump Organization, and one family, our family, the Trump family, is willing to ruin their lives as well, is, is willing to do something that will injure thousands of New Yorkers just because of politics. It is so sick and it is so sad. And I really hope that um, cooler heads prevail and the judge in this case finally realizes how ultimately ridiculous all of this truly is
7: well for what it's worth if they're going to f with one family it needs to be you guys because you guys you guys <laughs> you guys fight like mike tyson and his prime i'll tell you that lara uh and I, you know how much i love all of you right? i do love all of you as if you're my own family and i just it, it 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 breaks my heart saddens me but i do mean it if there's one family that can fight it's you guys and i do agree i really agree And I feel now really stronger than ever, stronger than ever, that Donald Trump will win because between, like you talked about, Biden and diapers and James and the DOJ and all this going on, they're going to make sure he wins. And you know what? Thank God.
15: Yeah, well, he has to. I mean, I think that every four years we kind of hear the same pitch from politicians, which is you, you go out and vote. This is the most important election But the stakes are really raised right now, and I think people feel that our American way of life, the way that we have always known this country, is on the verge of being lost. And if we don't stand up against the corruption, the very clear corruption we have seen against my father-in-law, my gosh, you look at how the FBI and the CIA, our Department of Justice, these institutions that are fundamental to our country, have worked against the Republicans in the past two election cycles This stuff is sick. It has to be corrected. We've got to take our country back. We have to close our border down. We have to get our energy independence back. We have to get people back to work and bring companies back to America. And I think the American people get it. There is one person who can do it. It's Donald Trump. So we do have to win this election. This is the most important election, at least of my time, so far. And I I believe that we have God on our side. I believe that the American people are on our side. And I, I agree with you, Sid. I think Donald Trump is going to win this election.
7: Laura, I love you and uh, the whole family. Give my best to Eric and your father-in-law. Thank you for doing this. Every time you come on, you're better than the last time, if that's possible. Oh, so.
15: well, let's keep doing it then. I love it. <laughs>
7: <laughs> you are great. Thank you so much, and have a great, great weekend. And uh, go Torios, okay?
15: <laughs> oh no, go NC State. Go Wolfpack. Come on, Sid.
7: I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
15: <laughs> well, I love you guys. Thank you
7: love so much. i see you, Lara. Thank you so much. Take care. She is an NC State Wolfpack girl, Lara. And uh, tell you what, they got a bunch of good football teams in that state right now. They got the kid May at quarterback with the Tory Heels. They got a really good quarterback at Duke, Riley Leonard. Thank you, Lara. We'll talk to uh, possibly the new, uh, hopefully the new, Suffolk County Executive Ed Romaine coming up next.
2: Seven W-A-B-C. This is "Sit Friends" in
6: the morning. I a little my friends. I want everybody to know the importance of today. And you know, Bernie was uh, his funeral was held at St. Patrick's Cathedral. You got to be you got to be a very uh, prominent citizen to get your funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral. So I thought the appropriate thing to do today was as county executive, by the power vested in me. Today, throughout all of Nassau County, I am going to proclaim this to be Bernie McGurk Day in Nassau County. Yeah,
7: baby! That's Bruce Blakeman. That's my guy. I helped him win. Even though I love Laura Carr, I helped Bruce win, and Bruce is a great executive in Nassau County. The Suffolk County guy sucks. Malone, he's corrupt, I think. I don't know. It's a Curtis told me. Before I get to uh, Ed Romain, one of my folks, Monday I will be, for the third consecutive year, this is an honor bestowed on me by Angelo Vivolo, that I don't deserve. I don't. But I am famous, and um, and, and people love me, so. I'm going to be back in the convertible Cadillac, and I think Takapina is going to join me. And that's Monday, but on Sunday, the day before, is the Brooklyn Gelio Block Party. And that is, that's a huge event every year, huge it's Sunday, October the eighth, two p.m. They start now. They carry a sixty-foot gelio, which weighs—you ready for this? Two tons, with a band playing music. Steve Maglio, who I love, he's been on this show before. He's from the Carnegie Club. He does a great Sinatra, like Piscopo and others. He—he's uh, going to be singing. The food is great. Nuns, Kono, all the boys from Williamsburg will be there. So, folks, help us celebrate Italians at Columbus Day with one of the oldest traditions in Brooklyn it's a great day the Brooklyn Giulio Block Party and it starts on 2 p.m. on Sunday so the reason why I played Bruce Blakeman there is is he's the Nassau County executive but there's a race for the uh, county executive in Suffolk County and my guy is Ed Romaine Ed Romaine's had a great career let me tell you right now he is the Woodhaven Woodhaven the Brookhaven supervisor But this guy's been involved in local politics in Suffolk County for a very, very long time. In fact, he was Suffolk County clerk for 16 years. Very impressive guy. Ed Romain, welcome to Sid and Friends in the Morning. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Sid. How about you? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm happy you're joining us today. Um, I've I've now known you for four seconds, and I'm officially endorsing you as my choice for Suffolk County Executive. Congratulations.
9: I wish we had more voters like you in Suffolk
7: County. <laughs> well, who knows? I th- I think you might. I mean, it's not like things have gone so well out there all these years. Now, you've done a great job in your spots. I know that uh, taxes, for example, you've done a um, a tremendous job. Education, you've done a tremendous job, which makes sense. You're a former history teacher. So before we get into who you're taking on and some of the issues in Suffolk County Tell me about some of the things you've done over the years as the county clerk and as a supervisor in Brookhaven, which makes you ready for this job.
9: As a supervisor for Brookhaven, I've straightened out its finances. We have AAA bond rating. Uh, the state controller just came out with a fiscal stress report. Brookhaven has zero fiscal stress and environmental stress. The state controller says we have zero environmental stress. We've purchased a lot of open space. We've gone, after blight, taken down 400 zombie homes in this town, and we've done a lot of things to move this town forward by building new parks and recreation centers.
7: All those things are terrific. All those things, absolutely terrific. And when we look at some of the issues... Ed, going on in Suffolk County. I know Curtis Sleva was in here earlier. I've got I've got a friend who, well, more than one friend, obviously. I've got uh, Lee's, uh, Lee Zeldin's a dear friend of mine out there in Shirley. And Jen Harrison is another not far from you. I know you're in Santa Marichis. She's in uh, Shirley, too. And uh, Curtis was yelling and screaming about the sewers and the cesspools and all the waste issues in Suffolk County. Now, Jen did tell me, at least in her town, Shirley, they've started to uh, build some sewers. I don't know about all of Suffolk County. Seems like a big problem. What's the latest with that?
9: It is a huge problem, and they're building them in Mastic, uh, and that's not enough. We need to direct more sewer money so that people can have sewers instead of cesspools because cesspools pollute our bays and our waterways nearby. I'm hoping that some of that infrastructure money that President Biden passed comes our way. I'm hoping some of the environmental bond issue that Governor Hocko passed comes our way. So far, I'm the largest town by size in the state and the second largest by population half a million. We haven't seen any of that money. What? I'm hoping that Long Island gets its fair share.
13: Ed, I mean, look,
7: I'm not a member. I don't want to talk to the EPA, any big groups. I don't know. I'm just a dumpy radio guy. Even I know that cesspools are filled with toxicity and and present all kinds of issues. You're telling me that in 2023, almost 2024, there is still a huge county in New York that hasn't figured out that sewers are healthier than cesspools? Or is it just so much money that I want to do it? What's the issue?
9: The issue is money. The issue is us getting our fair share of state and federal funds. The issue is in a county of one and a half million, only about 25 or 30% of this county has sewers. Wow. That's a shame. <laughs> and maybe we don't need them further east because the settlements are not as dense, but we need them in the western part of Suffolk County now. And I'm hoping that the governor's listening. I'm hoping our federal representatives are listening. We need federal and state aid to match local money, and we need to put sewers in now.
7: Tell me about the crime in Suffolk County. I I know that uh, it's funny. I'm going to the Columbus Day Parade on Monday, and I remember seeing Lee Zeldin last Columbus Day. Don't forget, that was right before his election loss to Kathy Hochul, but he did a great job, great job. And at that parade, it was only days after, I believe, his daughters, who I love that whole family, they were studying inside their house and gunshots hit his porch. Hit his porch. You
9: remember that whole story? And, uh, I remember that story. Lee is someone I've known for many, many years. Uh, we live in adjoining neighborhoods. Uh, I'm you know, a few miles to the east of him, but I know exactly where he lives. I won't mention the address. And I could not believe it. We have crime in Suffolk County. I mean, and is that
7: because, of the crime you have. I think, and this yeah. may be a misconception. This is important, Ed, because I think when you hear "oh, crime, Suffolk County," you automatically go to MS13 or the gangs. Is that basically the issue, or is it more than that?
9: Uh, no, it's it's also local crimes. Yeah, personal property, auto thefts, things of that nature—they're all up in Suffolk County. Look, we have twenty. Uh, we have right today sixty-two detective positions in the budget that we're being taxed for and we're paying for, that the county executive, Balone has left vacant. We need the detectives to go and track down the bad guys and lock them up.
7: This guy, Bologna's a bit, I mean, I don't know how much, uh, I'm sure you know more than me of this, I just became aware of all this when they arrested uh, Rex Hurman, who, for some reason, like every other serial killer, lives in Nassau but puts the bodies in your county. And uh, yeah, I'm serious; it's Every one of them have done it. And, and and it turns out that you know this guy Burke is a is a real skeevy guy, a real scumbag. And uh, for some reason, Balone you know, promoted him and and ran cover for him. And the more I learn about this guy Steve Ballone, who's been there for like 11 years now in this position the more it seems that he's a really
9: unsavory character. Do you know him? I know he's a Democrat. but I know him. Uh, He's been our county executive for 12 years. He is term limited. He is leaving office this December. Um, All I can say, because I know about karma, I wish him well, but I'm happy that he's leaving. I'm hoping to succeed him. I'm hoping to improve law enforcement. It's one of the reasons every single law enforcement agency in this county and in the state, has endorsed my candidacy for county executive because they know I'll do what is necessary to keep the people of Suffolk County safe.
7: This is uh, Ed Romain. He will be. He Listen to me carefully. Write it down. He will be the next Sapp- uh, Suffolk County executive. This guy, uh, David Colon, former federal prosecutor and businessman who never held any elected office, he's running against you. And, um, yes, um at the risk of sounding like one of these uh, crazy right-wing Republicans, which I'm not, by the way. I'm pro-choice. I'm pro gay marriage. I, I, I get turned off by people who are too far to the right. But I'm going to sound like one right now because this guy, David Colon, might be the nicest guy in the world, but he's a Democrat. So he's automatically no good.
9: <laughs> well, it's not only the fact that he's a Democrat, he's running on the working families line whose major oh objective is to fund the police. Oh, boy. To have passed this bail. And have clean slates for felons. Things oh. I oppose. Oh. Things that obviously he supports because he's running on the working families line. So he's
7: a real. So he's a real
9: progressive. This guy. Yeah, and he worked for the U.S. Attorney's Office for two years. I I doubt that he prosecuted any major cases. Uh, so it's interesting. And now he works for a family firm for the governor of Colorado, Jared Poulos. I wonder. And you know, why a lot of his money has come from Colorado. Right.
7: Of course. But you know, when you look at the the last elections in in Nassau County, which again I got very involved in, and and uh, I think uh, I like to think at least I helped uh, Bruce Blakeman win that Nassau County. Exa- I mean, the the truth, if I'm going to be completely honest here with you, Ed. The guy that was really put all my Republicans in office was Todd Kaminsky because he was a Democrat, and he's got the cashless bail. He was the architect of it, and he made it easy. But uh, Bruce Blakeman did win, Republican Nassau County executive. He beat Laura. She's a very impressive young lady. And Ann Donnelly, my friend, did win in the, uh, the DA's race. So do you think that maybe what happened in Nassau County kind of rubs off? That's the most recent on, in Suffolk County.
9: Absolutely. I've known Bruce Blakeman a lifetime. Uh so I know he's a good guy. I'm looking forward to working with him. And Donnelly's a great DA. We have a great DA in Suffolk County, Ray Tierney. Uh, things are turning around. People are waking up. We want a Suffolk County that's safe and affordable, and we are going to make it that way.
11: We're
7: off to a good start because Ray Tierney, who's been in these studios with me, is a great man, very, very impressive, and a terrific DA. And uh, I love Pat Ryder, too. Pat Ryder is one of the best police commissioners in the country in Nassau County. And you've got a great one in Rodney Harrison as well. So I got my team in Nassau with Blakeman, Donnelly, and Ryder. Now I want this team, Romaine, Tierney, and Harrison in Suffolk County. How about that?
9: That's, that's great. And I would also add our sheriff. He may not be of my party, but he's a good man, Earl Toulon. Yes. I work across party lines. But what I want to do is I want to see a Suffolk that's safer and more affordable. And we have great people of Suffolk to work with. We just need to change the course and direction of county government.
7: Well, you're the guy. So, well, uh, listen, best of luck to you. You can call in here anytime you want. You've got me on your side. And Ed Romaine, go out there, talk, and I wish you the best of luck. We'll talk again very soon.
9: Great. I hope we have a lot more conversations because we can talk about where this country should be going.
7: No, we will. Listen, you've got an open invite. You want to call, just call me like you're calling one of your family members. I'm calling Sid. That's it. You're on the biggest show in the country. How about that?
9: Only if I can give you a proclamation down the road. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds good. If I was in office today, I'd give Bernie McGurk a proclamation.
7: Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. You know how to get to a guy. You're you're
9: no dummy, Eddie. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, God bless. Have a great day.
4: You
7: too. Have a great weekend. That's, uh, again, the next Suffolk County Executive my new buddy, Ed Roman. See, you get mad. See right away. You saw laughing. La- <laughs> no, but you, what, when you what laugh is right. Wrong with you, you laugh right away. What is wrong with you? But why'd you laugh? Because it it, <laughs> it
8: it is funny. It is. You. going would be good friends? What, 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 you couldn't tell no, up on the phone. Gonna, I'm not getting into it. No.
7: You couldn't tell up on the phone call that there's already a beautiful bond between me and. Um, I like
8: him. Uh,
7: well, it's uh, not about what you like. I'm asking you. Did you not sub so that hear? means
8: I can tell why you, I can see why you like him and why you're going to be great friends. Yes. You can, okay? Don't, don't <laughs> stop. Do not stop. Don't stop. Right away, the guy was just on. <laughs> oh, well, I make friends very quickly. Oh, just, please go write another Van Halen story.
7: Be- <laughs> John, I'm begging you, you have to put this show on television. <laughs> because just to see Lou's face. And I know exactly what's oh, going to happen. Oh, I know it.
8: It was laugh and smile. <laughs> what else should I do? What, should I do?
7: what should I do? I do? Your, your reaction is perfect. It's I, perfect, but I it's am, predictable. Uh, as soon as I said it, I said, he's going to stop.
8: Oh, that's great, Sid. I'm so happy you found another friend. That's so amazing. That's uh, great. It, it is sitting friends in the morning. We need friends. So he, he's going to be high up on the list when you're gone. He's going to speak <laughs> yes. like, in the top
7: well, five. Well, he's going to he, be the guy to get me the proclamation. That's when right. I die,
2: going to be the
8: guy. <laughs> and remember
2: that? Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative.
8: Oh, you're
1: my best friend.
2: 77 WABC.
7: All right, Friday weekend's here. Been a long week. I got a big week next week. Took the parade on Monday. I've got radio fun here Thursday. I've got a dinner with Phil O'Reilly next Thursday night. We're going to Peter Luger in Great Neck because we're going to be discussing the content of our big show coming up October the twenty seventh. I heard Sharippa He was on. He was on with me a couple days ago. It was great talking about his big show coming up at the Paramount Theater in December. We're going to be there first, October 27th, Friday night, Huntington, Long Island. Bill O'Reilly, who's in England this morning, and Sid Rosenberg. So we're going to have dinner at uh, his Luger. My Luger is in Williamsburg. His is in Great Neck. That's Thursday night. And then Friday night, I got my uh, my guys' dinner. Keith Cantruitz and Paul Carlucci and Anthony Carone, all of Curtis's buddies. Who else is going to be there? You know, I told you what's his name? Oh, he shows up. Um, Mark um, Simone, he'll be there.
8: He'll yeah, just walk in. Yeah, he'll be there. He
7: just yeah, he comes, you
8: know. No, I can't believe you. How <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I come here all the time. <laughs> yeah, and I told you about uh, this way. I, I I like him though. I mean,
7: he's a he's a he's an insanely jealous bastard, uh, Mark, and he hates the fact. Cause the truth is. Till I came along, he was the biggest. Well, I shouldn't say that. Rush had big numbers then uh, But the last couple of years, he's pretty much had the best ratings for a political show in New York. And then I come along and kick his ass, and I'm number one. And if you walk into a restaurant together, very few people walk over to Mark. They walk over to me, and he hates that. He he
8: hates it, but he does like me, and I do like him. If you break the if you break the numbers down a little bit more further in, you'll see that you know that's, what, very he that's, that's
13: what he does. That's what he does.
8: Those ratings don't tell the whole story. <laughs> they don't. That's not the that's. But you've heard this? No, he only zeroes in on me every function. Oh my god, he does that
7: all the time. It's like Simone, baby, I love you. You're great, and you get nice ratings. You do. You do nice job. There's no way to break it down. No,
8: yeah, but that's what he'll do.
7: What I do to the morning show at WOR makes sure that all day long you guys can't win. Nothing. That's
8: it. How many people were at the gala last time, at that last gala? How many? A thousand. A thousand. Who, who zeroed in on me? Let me guess. And he did the ratings thing there, too? Yeah, well, he did the other thing. Like, hey, you know, uh, we, we, we got new studios. We kind of miss you.
7: <laughs> Have you seen them? No, yeah, I mean yeah. I'm really. This is, I I walked these. past him a couple of because of, of, I saw um, you know I love those guys still I still love Craig and and uh, what's his name John and the smoking yeah. cigarettes. It's on Six and a Half Avenue, whatever yeah. the hell that is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway, but uh,
8: he'll be there and and uh, and you won't, so yeah. What's that? Um, it's okay. I'll try. Uh, you know, if I, if the numbers say anything. <laughs> They, uh, they say that, oh, you know, I'm still I'm coming Leave up Leave right my now, friend so. alone. No, in certain quarter hours, <laughs> I'm still up there. You know, you you're not, I don't think you're looking at them correctly. You are brilliant. Uh, Physical, people have
7: no idea how... Dead on, that is. I mean, Lou, that is amazing.
8: I mean, the, the equipment we got right now is superior to all yeah, sure. of the rear. It's, but you should come over and see. You really, I, I don't know. We miss you. Lou, I love you.
7: Have a good weekend, okay?
8: Um, you, I'm catching up, you know, I love you, too. But, you know, it's, we're still fighting, that's all.
7: <laughs> Justin, uh, Ella, great job. And um, Noam Leighton, you were terrific this week, too. Jim Flippin as well. That's it for me. Brian Kilmeade is coming up next, God willing. I'll be back at six o'clock with my whole crew here on Monday morning. Until then everybody, from all of us to all of you, peace! peace. peace. Yeah, yeah, the
2: Tax day is coming. Oh no.